0: Maximum picture quality it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR.
1: This it was given me to know that many movies have been made that try and emulate what Lucas brought to our world. And this too was given to me to know that a movie shall be made that will combine the fantasy of its caliber and the sci-fi of this Star Wars. And in the smoke of the burning wreck, it shall blacken the sky with tales of a glaive that will be sure to fill the pockets of men with gold. But one thing I cannot know, how did they get this all so wrong? This is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast are on an adventure to watch century cinema, decade by decade, year by year. I am one half your host, Liam Delaney, and with me is...
2: Hello, I'm Oliver the Magnificent, short in stature, tall in power, narrow by purpose and wide in vision. And I do not podcast well with peasants and beggars. Goodbye.
1: I can't believe you had a bit set up.
3: (laughs) Motherfucker stole my intro.
2: That's that's on my notes. Yeah. (laughs) On my envelope notes.
3: Good lad. Good lad.
2: I can't believe. I can't believe you had a bit.
3: (laughs) This is a whole new world. (laughs) Do you know what? They, They may be written on the back of an envelope. (laughs) <laughs> but he came correct
2: Who who's that sexy voice
3: hello my name's Paul I've been here a couple of times before and now I'm back because as hard as I try I can't stop loving these two <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we clearly met you along the way and on a venture through swamps and whatever things were in this film
2: All right, if, if <laughs> you're in this film which character would you be
3: Cyclops 100%
2: the Cyclops Liam I
1: have no idea. I'd probably be like the changeling. I'd be the changeling Ah, that goes... (laughs) And turns into like a black goo.
2: (laughs) I would be... Who would I be? Clearly you're
1: Norgo the Magnificent or whatever his name is. is (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) What is that character's name? Ergo, is it? Ergo.
3: Ergo. I'm jumping in with that one because the chances of me remembering the name of any cast or characters (laughs) is like nothing as usual i I
2: thought watching this whole film i thought the main character was called krull i didn't realize (laughs) the planet was krull
1: (laughs) i wrote him down in my notes as cobwin the whole time just
2: cobwin cobwin anyway paul how you doing
3: i'm all right yeah i'm doing good feeling strong that's a total lie. My my little babbie's started nursery recently, and she's just like every time she goes, it's like a a new tropical disease just lands on the <laughs> lands on the house. <laughs> so it's just it's like so. There's like background of general sickness. So, but yeah, part I like I say,
2: babby. you can't take the boy out of Birmingham. Well, you can take the Birmingham out of the boy. Hang on, no, what's the? What's, you can't take the boy <laughs> out of Birmingham. On the, but, but, I don't know. Fuck that. Do you know what? Going I've so got to. Well.
3: <laughs> I've got to do it because like everyone, everyone down here assumes I'm from I'm from London, so I've got to. I've got to play up to it, you know.
1: Down from London way. Mm. How you doing, Liam?
3: Um,
1: I just had my last cup of tea for twenty four hours. Oh no! I'm on doctor's orders not to have anything else, so I had a cup of tea to celebrate. That's not celebration. That's the wrong word. <laughs> to commiserate. <laughs> And now I'm on water. I've got my water here. Is it like and you can gonna... only have
2: water up until midnight or six o'clock in the morning or something?
1: No, for 24 hours. So I, Water, so you until... can't have
2: water for 24 hours.
1: No, I can only have Please. water. I can only have I water say and other clear have... liquids. I think I can have mint tea. I think they allow me mint tea. That's the yeah, kind of them. That's kind of them. And, so, and because they've put this restriction on me, I'm already feeling hungry. With, <laughs> I ate like an hour ago, and I'm already like, I wish I had something to eat. I could eat. I want something to eat. So I you think I'm just gonna.
2: gorged, just had a complete banquet. That's what you should have done.
1: Ah, oh, no, these some very works. strict instructions for a light lunch. So, so uh. I only had a light lunch.
3: Well, you know what, Liam, you're in, you're in luck because we're about to gorge ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> on conversation about a cult <laughs>
1: sci-fi fantasy classic. Medieval high fiction magic stuff. Sure. That's what we're watching. We're swinging from chandeliers. Ah, yeah, swashbuckling sci-fi.
2: Yeah, so um, what have you all been watching this past few weeks anyway? Anything good? Oh, why didn't you go first,
1: Ollie? You've got a special one lined up.
2: <laughs> so... Paul, if you don't know, I've got I, basically I've got a backlog of Blu-rays and DVDs that I haven't watched, so I've like listed them all on a big document, all numbered. And the idea now is every week Liam or the guest picks a number, and then I watch that film for the following week. So last week Liam picked The Amazing Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire. Wow! Yeah. Uh, So, I actually, the only reason why I bought this was because it was one pound in the pound store, and I was going there to buy my weekly um, Twin Peaks. And if you know what a Twin Peaks is, it's basically like a cheap Toblerone, but it's really good. Anyway, it's probably more interesting than the film. Um, And when I went to log this film to say that I'd watched it, apparently I've already seen it. And I have. (laughs) Oh, well done. I have no memory of this film whatsoever. And I guarantee probably in a couple of years' time I'll have no memory of this viewing. But um, Well, that was successful then. So it's been a long time since I saw the first 300, probably at the cinema when it came out, say, like, what, 14 years ago? Uh, this one is basically like a prequel set at the same time and a sequel all at the same time. A lot more of it set at sea, though. And um, so it's about the Persians versus the Greeks, and obviously it And it says it's based on the comic book Xerxes, which actually at the time the film was released, the comic book was not didn't come out for a following four years afterwards. <laughs> so I don't know, uh-huh. work uh-huh. that out for yourself. It's a time how, loop. Now that works. so
1: I guess that's like the final Scott Pilgrim book and film.
2: Yeah, I guess so, kind of. Because
1: that didn't come out till afterwards.
2: Yeah, but um, yeah, it's not a very good film. I mean, it looks okay, you know, it's kind of got that typical. I know Zack Snyder didn't. Directed, but it's pretty, he may as well have. I mean, he wrote the story and produced the film as well. Um, It looks like a music video slash video game, a very good video game cutscene, the whole film pretty much. You know, it's all shot on green screen, so everything's like, you know, CG rendered backgrounds and whatever. Um, The main actor is the most Australian actor in the world. So even when he tries to disguise his Australian accent with like a thick British accent, he still sounds like. Good mate, and it's just like, oh god, it couldn't take seriously. But then again, you had Gerard Butler, who was the most Scottish Greek ever, like in uh, in three hundred. Um, yeah, Eva Green's in it. I quite, I quite like Eva Green. She's got a weird cadence to her voice now and again, but she she plays like the sexy femme fatale really well. She's got that down to a T.
1: Doesn't she also play that in the Sim City sequel this year? The same year she plays that in the is she in Sim that one as well? Yeah. So she's got both the green screens. Sin City. City. There should be a Sim City
3: film. That'd be great. (laughs) Rise Um, of the Tower. Don't say it too loud. They'll do it. (laughs) They're scraping the barrel.
2: The problem with these films is they put all their effort into how it looks, how it sounds. You know, it sounds great. The look, you know, it's all nice and crisp and it's all well animated and stuff like that. But there's no care in the acting. It's all like, it's so, I don't know, it's just... Just very weak source on that front, and um, yeah, uh, two out of five. That's what I'm giving it, and I think that's being generous.
3: I just, I just love, I love the concept of like taking a Zack Snyder thing, yeah. having him work on the sequel, doing everything except the one thing that he is actually good at. He's good at, yeah. which is like creating <laughs> these like very visually impressive set pieces um you know that that work really well at selling action and it's like right zach here's the concept <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the story that i go into zach snyder films for yeah. yeah
2: apparently he wants to do a sequel that was about alexander the great and it was going to be called um 300 blood and ashes but warner brothers were like nope and then um he had an idea that he could like use the same style but on other like historical things so like the Amer- american revolutionary oh. war and the battle of the alamo and uh... oh my god i'm so oh, glad dead. that didn't happen oh. yeah, that yeah, sounds rotten <laughs> that sounds so horrible <laughs> that sounds so bad because oh he's had god. two films released this year quite like in quick succession of each other he's been in like the news quite a lot and he's just, there's so many articles keep popping up and it's doing my head in. going, Zack Snyder wants to make this. Zack Snyder wants to do this. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, just go away, go away now.
3: Zack Snyder wants to be in the news. So he said something about <laughs> some, like, s- some property with strong search engine optimization in the Google rankings. That's what normally happens.
2: That's, just, what every okay, single, so Paul, that's what every
3: single one of these articles is. Yes, hello.
2: Okay, give me a number between <laughs> one and 171. 69
3: dudes. <laughs> I knew hey. that was Honestly, that anyway, what
2: took too was many that? episodes for I, someone to do. Do you do. know what? I've <laughs> never seen this film. Well, obviously, I've never seen this film. It's Godfather, part three. Yeah, no. Godfather <laughs> part
0: three. Yeah,
2: Godfather Part Three.
3: I've got this list of films I haven't watched, and do you know what? Godfather Part Three, though, you haven't watched. I mean, to be honest, I was yeah. like, well, I guess you've definitely. There's no chance that you haven't seen Bill I've and Ted's seen one Excellent and two. Adventure. I've like, not seen that, but that was We've that was the reference. Together. That was the reference I was making. We sure I, I got have. the
2: reference.
1: So, are you watching the original cut of three? Are we going to watch the new cut of three? Which one is, is it?
2: Is the is the new cut readily available?
1: I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. I'm, well, I mean, the version <laughs> I've got
2: is the Blu-ray, which I'm assuming is the original. I'll have a look to see if it said. Uh, Recut is available. I know it's got a, it's got a weird subtitle
1: because it came out so last cool. year. The recut, so I don't know where Did it's it? available, but it came out last year. Yeah,
3: I love that this segment has a cliffhanger ending. That's really you've <laughs> you've you've, <laughs> you've worked that really well. Tune in next. Tune in next week to find out if it's the regular version or the <laughs> oh, no. whatever new version is. Yeah, the,
2: the new version is called the Godfather Coda: The Death of Michael Corione, So. I think I audio- find audio- it's audio- called Mario Puzo's
1: *The Godfather*, no, Corridor, okay, the right. death of Michael Corleone. What name is oh, that? Wow, <laughs> like, oh, that is very wow. Anyway, so we'll find out next week if Ollie hated Sophia Coppola or not, because that's all anyone <laughs> yeah. ever says about in that film. <laughs> I don't think three's is as bad as people say it is, but no, who am I to judge?
3: Okay. It's hard to stick the landing, you know.
1: It's hard I'm to find No one can make good trilogies.
2: The first two set a high bar. I'm get so I'm. I can't imagine it get you know topping those two. So
1: I think it's fine. I think with some distance from it, it's fine. It's not just. Yeah. it's You know, when it came out at the time, people wanted it to be you know the best film ever made, and it's yeah. not true. I think it's it's more that it's not like it's the last Star Wars film <laughs> <laughs> or, or other recent trilogies.
2: I think it was only made because he needed the money, didn't he? he, I think he was losing money on, like, something. Uh, As in... um, Oh, probably. He's probably doing some passion projects. Francis Ford Coppola,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's normally how he worked.
2: So what have you been watching?
1: Well, I've watched a ton of new films, so I'm not going to talk about too much about them, because I don't want to spoil them. But you mentioned Mr. Zack earlier, so I watched Army of the Dead this week. Ah. And it's fine. The pixel fine.
2: Dead pixel cut. The
1: pixel cut, yeah, dead pixel cut, yeah. Which you can totally notice, which I thought was quite fun. That's the first major motion picture to release with dead pixels. Well done. <laughs> Are they
2: really noticeable?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. If you know what you're looking for, yeah. I guess. I guess, I don't know. If you're looking at the screen and not your phone, and this film was definitely designed to look at your phone, so maybe that's why they didn't care. <laughs> that might be their, their I've trick.
2: I've <laughs> only seen the trailer for it, and it looks like it just uses that shallow depth of field that the end of yes. uh, justice league has where it's, everything is just completely yeah. blown out except for like what's in the it's forefront.
1: hilarious the depth of is so funny in this that they literally just look like um i don't know like it looks like it's meant to be 3d or something because you just see them in perfect kind of like crisp focus and in the background it's so blurry and so fogged out that it could be anywhere they could be on any set, <laughs> any location. And most of the films shot like that. It's baffling, frankly. But it made it very easy for them to insert Tignatara into the film because she wasn't I don't know if you know that about her, but the person who originally played that role in the film had some issues and they had to cut them out the film, so they reshot the film with Tignatara, but they just shot Tig on her own and just dropped her into every scene that she needs to be in. <laughs> so I think that depth of field made it quite easy for them to do.
2: Does it does it look quite good though? Is it does it? If you didn't know about that, it's, would you kind of... Um, uh,
1: I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say. I, it's hard for me to say. It's very noticeable that sometimes she's on a green screen and not with the rest of them. It's just, I think it's hard to disguise that.
2: There's a meme going around saying, uh, Warner Brothers couldn't remove a moustache, but Zack Snyder removed a whole act and replaced it with another actor. Yeah. <laughs> so something...
1: And it's good though i fucking adore tig i think she's fucking wonderful and i think she's absolutely brilliant in this film she might be the best thing about the film and i can't believe like mm. you know it's like a christopher Plummer effect <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe sometimes those last decisions are the best but it's fine it i was kind of looking through my um zach snyder rankings actually the other day uh um, letterbox and it might be my highest ranked zach snyder film so there's that yeah. that's a review. <laughs> I only gave it three stars, but it still might be my highest ranked <laughs> Zack Snyder. Well, three
2: stars is average, isn't it? That's okay. Yeah, it's
1: a good film. I enjoyed just... it. I, I legitimately enjoyed it. But it's just, it is what it is. Um, and I also watched Cruella, talking in new films. Um, that's I gave that two and a half <laughs> stars. That's fine. Okay, I've seen memes
2: about this, that there's an origin for why she becomes Cruella, and it seems like a joke. Is it true? I will
1: have to say the only this okay spoiler warnings for this section. Um, the meme that's going around is that do- uh, Dalmatians killed her mom, and that's why she hates <laughs> Dalmatians, right? That's what i am saying. It do- in the film, Dalmatians do kill her mom. However, she doesn't hate dogs because of it. That is actually wrong. She actually right. like that is and explicitly that is in the film that she. She do- she actually loves dogs and she has dogs. It's- she doesn't like hate Dalmatians like like Batman hates crime or something like that.
3: That isn't what happens. But Dalmatians do kill them. <laughs> like mate. if Batman, definitely- <laughs> If Batman's cape was made of the skin of criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Which they would which they would do if Warner Brothers weren't such cowards. Well, Zack Snyder yeah. would do it if you gave him an extra 300 million. I'm pretty sure in the new
2: Batman film, the Bat logo is made up of the gun that killed his parents, I think. It's very edgy. Oh, bloody. God, Even it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's <gross>. Oh, God. <laughs> and I think his car is meant to be his dad's car or something like that. So the Batmobile is a modified... <laughs> Oh, Bruce Wayne!
1: It's going to drop down. Got a classic.
3: Oh my God! Put some uh,
1: turbo blasters
3: on this classic. Turbo. Blasters, see, right? I can, I can turbo see blasters. a way. I can see a way through that, right? <laughs> like, if you think, because obviously Bruce Wayne's dad was also this like super rich, like really influential guy in a city that was like notorious for like really bad like organized crime and stuff. So his car, it's probably going to be like bulletproof. It's probably going to have like, you know, it's probably going to have like compartments, for like, you know, it's probably going to have like escape, like ways to like get over things or like, you know what I mean? Like, I I think it would have stuff like that. So it kind of tracks, but then it's like, well, I mean, Bruce Wayne is also like a mega billionaire and it has been like however many years, Like so he could probably just make a new one. And <laughs> I don't know. So I, I can see that, but the the turning the gun into the into his logo thing—that's such a that's such a reach. That's really like, I feel like that exemplifies a lot of the, a lot of the problems with the Warner Brothers approach to that stuff. It's like they can't just do it, you know what I mean? It's like they have to think of some clever reason why this thing that has been popular for the best part of a century can like justify itself, and it's just—it's yeah, like they've done they, it in they don't where need they've to. Melt- con-
2: like, they've done it in comics where he melts down the gun and then forms it into, like, his bulletproof armor. But in this film, it's literally the gun split in half that makes the bat logo. It's weird.
1: It's overthinking stuff. Exactly. It's yeah. overthinking it. That's what Which I was saying. It's like they don't the umbrella have- thing is massively overthinking it. everything. Yeah, yeah. Like,. Same with it was the same with that fucking Han Solo film, and they overthought every detail of Han Solo just to cram it into the film. It just that stuff kind of bores me. I'm sure we've talked about this
3: before, but that film shouldn't exist. That should have been a Lando Calrissian film. But we're oh, getting oh, yeah, getting yeah. off topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like Corella, I would it probably would have a higher
1: rating if the first twenty minutes of the film weren't um, told in flashback and like from her birth. And I was just it starts with her birth and it starts in flashback and I was like, I don't care about this. This is going on and on and on. Just give me the film. Like, why are you padding yeah. this one time out with this crap? Like,
3: well they um, have they have to pad it because there's no actual story to tell, is there? Because well, like and
1: to, honestly, they could just cut twenty minutes out of it. It doesn't have to be two hours fucking seventeen or whatever it is. It's
3: two hours seventeen. I can't remember how <laughs> well, long the <laughs> like, film is. It probably what? isn't that long, but <laughs> I think if it's, that film is no, more about than 90 I think it's minutes about two
1: hours. What yeah. do they do what I it's happens? I 15 like
3: Is there a what, su- is what there what like a subplot with like a sassy best friend having a makeover but then realizing that she didn't need the makeover because the guy that she was interested <laughs> in was already interested in her like I assume that's in the movie but like That's basically Corella. Okay. That's basically the story. She <laughs> doesn't even have a sassy best friend. This is pro- this is probably the issue.
1: Um, she has two sassy best friends. Actually, I quite like them. Played by, I think it's Joel Fry and Ma and Paul Walter Hauser. And I quite like Paul Walter Hauser. they I
2: play like the henchmen that are in the cartoon? Yeah, there's yeah, quite a lot of Horace sexual tension something.
1: between him and her and uh, the one of the henchmen,
2: Jasper. Oh, okay,
1: he's played by Hugh Laurie in the first film.
2: Yes. These, so these aren't a prequel to these films, are they? Their own thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, basically the exactly. same okay. They exist in a different the, universe. <laughs> it's um, not, it's not, did, it's not part of the MCU. It's like, it's like Deadpool, the Dalmatian universe. Dalmatian. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I can't wait for a 101 Dalmatians Endgame when they kind of they somehow go back in time and uh, I don't know, try and stop Corolla De Deville. I don't know.
3: I love that the scene at the end with all the portals opening, but it's just, but it's just. A Dalmatian coming through each one. <laughs> Bring Bad Jeff work. Daniels into it.
2: Do you remember he was a video game designer in the live action one?
1: He was a video <laughs> game designer in the first one. I do remember this because I did watch 101 and 102 Dalmatians this week as well. Oh, amazing! <laughs> he, they're not in the second <laughs> a, one, are they? I'm a masochist. <laughs> no, the second one is insane. Is absolutely fucking unleashed. It is, it is, it's 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 one hundred and two dimensions unleashed. It's fucking <laughs> mental. It doesn't make, and it does make it a lick of sense. And um, Glenn Close gets turned into a cake at the end. That's that's the end of that <laughs> one. <song. laughs> uh, Another new films I watched. I watched um, the from the book of Saw. I watched Spiral. Oh,
2: uh, is this starring... the Chris Rock one?
1: Chris Rock, yeah, and um, and other people. Samuel Jackson, of course, because you know Samuel Jackson, he has to be in every film. <laughs> and uh, it's I've I kind of hated it. That's about the end of that. I, I they oh. they kept on saying this. This like bold new take on Saw. Like it's from the book of Saw again. Never ever put book in the title of your film. That's <laughs> boring. Never be from the book of this. Like. That's, that's the best producer note I ever heard for, like, a film once, and I think it's right. Um, and it's not a new take on Saw. It's just Saw. I was really disappointed that it was just Saw. <laughs> it was shot like Saw. It's all like Saw. It was just Saw. And it's disgusting, and I didn't enjoy it. It's just IP um, milking
3: though, isn't it? Yeah. I thought it just, was, yeah. like,
2: and it's, ten years since the last Saw, but apparently there was one, like like two or three years ago. So there wasn't... It was. It hasn't been that long. Yeah, there long.
1: was
3: literally called Jigsaw, wasn't it? Yeah. No, yeah, it really hasn't been that long. And they done, like they've done... They've, they've definitely done... They've definitely done the one that's, like, the prequel of, like, how Jigsaw became Jigsaw, haven't they? Like, that must yeah. have happened. The, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: The law of Saw, is, I think, is fucking amazing. Like, to, to actually just... The way they weave it all in is just make it just fills me with joy in the fact that like a character that's in half a scene in the first film will come back as the supervillain in the seventh film and then reveal that they had a boss that was like the pizza delivery person in the fourth film that got their finger cut off by Saw <laughs> or whatever like it's they they bring back every single like they they kind of like grind out every single little element of those films to try and tie them into like an overarching themes it's admirable and insane like and and doesn't, and doesn't make any sense i don't think
3: anyone could explain to you the, the the actual story of those films. I love that. It, feel, it feels um, like they had like one, they had like one note from a focus group that said it was clever when they did something like that, and they were like, "Oh, th- that's what people want. We'll do it in every single film as much as possible, all the time. Like every character has to be someone."
1: And I also watched the new Conjuring film, The Devil Made Me Do It. Which, ah, again, was was fine, <laughs> like
2: all fine. I like those films up until up Me until too. the end, and it just they always lose the plot at the end, and you're like, oh dear. Yeah, that
1: yeah, I agree. I love the idea of like these two kind of I don't know paranormal investigators, kind of exorcist people going around like real ghost stories, you know, quote unquote real ghost stories, and telling you like the story behind them. I think that's prime for like a horror franchise, and I think that's really cool and fun. But every time I watch them, it is like about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through. It just goes insane to points that I don't care about and it or just too much or it just, yeah, it goes, it goes too heavy in maybe is what it always seems to do. To the point that no one in this universe would ever not believe in like demons and ghosts. Like there'd be no question. I'd be like, of course. Yeah, yeah. The devil made me do it, but they always try and pretend that it's like our our world as well. Which these and it always opens up with like this is the real story of what happened. It's like when well, it's not, is it? Because <laughs> because the devil isn't real. <laughs> but um, yeah, I enjoyed it.
2: The um the second one was based on that one in Britain, wasn't it? That uh, the, that girl who claimed she was possessed by the spirit of that dead guy or whatever. And do you remember? That's a no. Which one? Sorry, <laughs> the second one. The second one. Yeah, I, mean, like I can't. I I know do, the. The girls have said that it was a hoax. You know, since then, so I'm surprised they yeah. decided to even bother using that as a basis. But oh well, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's <laughs> true or not. Fair enough.
1: <laughs> It is Enfield, isn't it? Because it's London, the Enfield. Yeah. Enfield haunting or whatever. I don't know what they But they tie it in
2: them. with the nun and stuff like that, don't they? All their other kind of bullshit <laughs> they kind of throw in there to kind of expand that universe.
1: And I think this suffers from not having James Wan direct it, if I'm honest. I think James Wan's quite a fun director. Um, and the guy doing the third one isn't quite as inventive. Like,
2: I absolutely hated the Insidious movies, though. I hated those.
1: I don't think I saw them. I don't think I saw oh. them I might have seen one of them but I don't remember them if I did and I never saw the Annabelle films because they're also part of the same universe aren't they as and well. the nun and, stop saying the nun
2: <laughs> there's another one as well which I've forgotten which uh...
1: I don't remember I guess that is the because uh, James Wan made Saw 1 didn't he as well James Wan saw he 1 He did yeah so that's the tie for my, my films this week. But, um, yeah. I also, actually, to say one I loved, I watched a really old film um, that was directed by um, Powell and Pressburger, really famous uh, kind of English directors from the 40s. And uh, we will definitely be covering them when we do the okay. 40s, because we cannot. But uh, they did a film in 1948 called The Red Shoes, which is based upon the, like, the Hans Christian Andersen ballet. About a woman who gets red shoes and she dances base until she dies because they kind they kind of compel her to dance, and it's um it's a film based on like them putting on the production of the red shoes, and it's one of the I don't know just one of the most fabulous things I've ever seen on film by 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 miles and miles and miles like
2: it sounds like a very early kind of uh, black swan kind of thing yeah maybe. That.
1: sounds yeah good totally to i'm sure backswan was took a lot of inspiration from it and like there's a bit in the center the middle of it the center of the film the middle of the film where like they show like the kind of ballet and it's all they mix in like visual effects and lighting and kind of hallucinogenic kind of psychedelic almost kind of like Im- imagery and puppetry and stuff like that and it's so um, oh, nice it must be like 20 minutes long and it's it's absolutely completely captivating i absolutely adored it it's it's incredible that it's shot in 48 it could have been, you know, if it was 70s or 80s, it'd still be the same. And um, I was reading through reviews of it at the time. And at the time, like, English English critics hated it. And uh, they said, like, um, there was someone in the British British press said it was um, downright un-British. <laughs> that was one of the <laughs> reviews of it. And um, I've said this on Letterboxd, but I couldn't think of a greater compliment to this film than that. Critique, <laughs> like of course it is downright in British. It's fucking wonderful. Like it takes everything that British films never did at that time and just do something like grand and beautiful and like experimental. And uh, I absolutely recommend it. It's wonderful.
2: Okay, I'm gonna chill that one out. So, Naden, have you seen anything?
3: mate honestly nothing new i don't know if i don't know if i've mentioned this but there's a there's a small human that lives in my house and she's not even two years old bless her so i'm quite limited in my movie watching time we did we we stuck on uh ponyo you know the studio ghibli one i think it came it came up like recommended on netflix um so we like stuck that on and it held her attention for a little while so you know that's that's a good review as far as i'm concerned also i've been i've been spending a little bit more time uh a little bit more time reading as well and in in terms of watching stuff it usually comes down to either either like uh watching dota 2 professional tournaments esports which is fun or watching uh wrestling particularly specifically aew which i find fascinating i think anyone anyone who's interested in um in, like, uh, I guess episodic, uh, storytelling. I think AEW's doing a lot of, or like gone back to doing a lot of the things that like made wrestling compelling in, in that way. Um, particularly in, in AEW and they're balancing a lot of things really well at the moment. And they just had their, they just had like one of their big annual like pay per views the other week, which I think, um, I think did some really cool stuff um but yeah as far as like watching movies and things like uh it's (laughs) probably i'm probably in the wrong place to say this but it's just not something that i feel like (laughs) i want to like prioritize at the moment i think especially because that's so yeah and i mean i think you two you two know me well enough to know that like when i'm when i'm watching a movie it's not like it's not an activity where i just sort of have it on in the background and not think about it You know what I mean? It's like, that's not, that's just not how I like to engage with films. Whereas like, you know, if I put on, you know, if I put on the Dota or if I put on wrestling or something, it is the kind of thing that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to like fully commit your attention to in that way. Uh, So that's, that's me at the moment. There's
1: definitely different like levels of films. I think there's, there's, for me, there's definitely like a category of I can put that on and kind of do some cooking or kind of have dinner and maybe do something else while it's on. And then another category of like, no, if I'm putting this on, I'm absolutely...
3: See, this, absolutely is, this is my problem, yeah, though, because even, even that kind of... And I talked to you two about this stuff, that very kind of like, almost like the family film level, or like, I, f- I, find, I find the decision-making process, like, just as interesting. Like, if... Because I feel like if a, if a movie has a goal, then it's interesting to see... And I'm sure you agree with this, but it's just, it's just something that's probably like more important to me than like most people when I'm watching something, it's like, if a film has a goal, I'm more interested in like how well it achieves the goal that it had rather than like any kind of, any kind of like approaching that objective standard of like quality or anything. Actually one, one film, one film I hadn't seen before that I did watch recently, which is probably a good example of this is a movie whose name I will remember now it's Palm Springs. (laughs) Um, yeah, Uh, yeah, which obviously, obviously it's, it's very derivative in a lot of ways, like for, for obvious reasons, but I like, I found, I found that a movie, like I found it a great exercise in something that was obviously trying very hard to do one thing to a varying degree of success you know what i mean like obviously compared to the obvious comparison of groundhog day which i feel absolutely nails what it's trying to do up and down which is why it's you yeah, know which yeah. is why it's like you know such a beloved film it's like something that i i feel is is pretty much timeless like this one it's it's trying it's yeah. trying to say so much more like it's trying yeah, so much yeah. harder And because it's trying so much harder, it it's more noticeable, like when it falls short in areas and I find, I just find that fascinating, like the, the comparison between the two, like to me, looking at, looking at a movie like that and thinking about like where it, where it does better than other similar films, but then also like where it falls short. Um, and obviously. Yeah. It's, it's
1: sometimes really obvious when you go like, they had one too many ideas. Yeah. They just, they, they really, and that's that would have helped them to kind of look at that I, again.
2: I did like that film, but I was saying to Liam a couple of weeks ago when we watched it, um, I just think it, it should have ended one scene earlier. Mm. You, like once they go into the cave, there's another scene that precedes that. And I think it should have just ended like there.
3: Could be. I mean, yeah, it was just... Yeah, I think the the whole thing, it definitely it definitely could have benefited from like a really brutal edit. Like it, it felt like the kind of project it felt like the kind of project that was like, you know, it's it's almost like a, a, like an auteurship thing, isn't it? It's like they had a very specific idea of what they wanted it to be and there weren't enough people to tell them no. Like they, need, they needed someone in there who was who could just say like, this isn't important, like just get rid of it. You know what I mean? But it felt like there were kind of, it was just like a too, it was just too long a lead. Like if they'd just been pulled in a little bit or just like allowed some things to sit a little bit more. Like, cause there was, there were some times where it felt like they had a little bit of respect for their audience in terms of letting people work things out for themselves. And then, but then like, there'd be a moment two scenes later where they just totally spell it out and like and just say it, down, <laughs> just say it down the barrel, and you're like, "Oh, okay. So we're just fully, we're just fully acknowledging this idea that you alluded to like ten minutes earlier. Weird. It
1: feels, in a lot of ways, it feels like a film that was very much a, like." Let's say two or three people in a room going, "Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Let's put mm. that in. Put that in. Put that in." And it, and that made a really fun and energetic film, like a really lot of energy to it, a lot of kind of cool stuff. But it did feel like, as you say, it needed someone to be going. We don't need that. That like that. Maybe that's that might feel really weird when it when it when it works. Maybe that might actually not particularly kind of hit the mark if you do that so maybe yeah. that's and it's it's
3: like, weird like it did feel like a lot of people really enjoying. Yeah, it, it just doing. felt like such a swerve for me how like the film is obviously it's a film about nihilism right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's ob- and it's obviously a film that exists because of Groundhog Day you know this isn't mm-hmm. like a film with a similar idea that like exists yeah. independently like this movie exists because of Groundhog Day and I think I think it exist because of Groundhog Day and the way that they felt like they could take that idea further with like talking about, like explicitly talking about the more philosophical elements of it. Yeah. Like one of the one of the kind of famous things like that people will tell you about Groundhog Day is that like in the original source material, it's made very explicit that Bill Murray's character is essentially locked in this time loop for what could be like millions of years. Yes. Like millions yeah. of years, like re- reliving this day. And in the movie, that's kind of like toned down a bit You know, and it fit like obviously it's (laughs) exactly yeah. Whereas like in Palm Springs, it's like they're obviously trying to like reintroduce that idea, and it's heavily alluded to that he's like I think like at one point he says like he can't remember what his job was before. Uh, I can't. I think it might like he might say afterwards that he was just joking, and of course he remembers or something. But it's definitely like strongly suggested that it's been like a long, 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 long time. And, you know, obviously, he's initially presented as this kind of nihilist. But then it's him as a character that pulls the other person trapped in this... Sorry, spoilers for everything, obviously. But who pulls the other character who's trapped in there with him, like, out of that nihilistic phase or, like, tries to explain to her that, like, even though other people forget or even though other, like, you don't see the long-lasting effects on other people for your actions you still like remember it and the pain and like he says very, he says explicitly like the pain that you cause is real.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah,
3: And I thought that was a, I thought that was a really sort of, there's just, there was a lot going on with that character that, um, I forget. I forget the actor's name. I should remember it. I've watched enough Brooklyn Nine Nine, but like,
2: so Andy Samberg and then Christine Andy
3: Samberg. Ortiz, I, I literally I couldn't remember if that was his real name or if that was his character's <laughs> name. Brooklyn Nine Nine. But yeah, I thought like there was there was so much like interesting thing going on, interesting things going on with that that character, that everything else felt in service of that. And, yes, and, yeah. and because and because it was all in service to that character it was kind of like weaker because of that and maybe there was, you know, because he is a comedian after all, like maybe that is actually what was happening you know what I mean? Well
2: it's like <laughs> yeah. the whole subplot so with J.K. Simmons, that feels like that could have been the movie in itself just that, do you know what I mean? And it's just like it's one yeah, little scene yeah, in the beginning yeah. and then they come back to it at the end and it feels like again like you said, like too many ideas maybe that Kind of uh, mixed up with really it. And that's
3: so weird as well because what's his, what's his name? Juno's dad. Like he also is there to facilitate bringing Andy Sandberg back from this nihilistic pit that he's fallen into. But he only does that after Andy Sandberg has already explained to the other character in the loop that she also shouldn't fall into the pit of nihilism. So it's yeah. this weird. Yeah. 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 It's it's just things like that where, it, like, it didn't, like, not all the dots connect, like, smoothly.
1: And it's one of those things that sometimes, that because they've used too many ideas in the film, they start making you question stuff. So, like, they explicitly introduce the idea into this that I think it's, uh, is it Christine? She becomes, like, um... Uh, like an expert in like um, physics like astrophysics or whatever like that and because they introduced the idea that basically you've got forever in this that you can become an expert in anything you want to be you kind of start thinking well why did why did you leave at this point why didn't you just take another course why didn't you just do another thing like why why didn't you just utilize the time a little more yeah why you've got this time introduce the idea that it yeah you've introduced like a kind of like ticking clock that doesn't really exist um in the kind of manners and the stuff But, and because if they hadn't bothered with that kind of side plot of it, I don't think your brain would have been questioning it really. But then
2: again, the only reason why she became like this physicist is just to get out of that situation. There was no, that was her driving factor. There was no, it wasn't like anything else. So I think it was was all right for it.
3: It, Yeah, I mean, that was, I I guess that was the motivation, wasn't it? Like,
2: I had a thought like watching that film though. I think Andy Sandberg would have been quite a good older Peter Parker Spider Man. What do you reckon? Yeah, it works. Mm. I guess. Yeah, I thought it would be a good like live-action Peter B. Parker kind of guy.
3: It, def- it definitely tracks. I mean, obviously, the movie version I, I feel like is slightly gone away from it now. But I do feel like Spider Man, Spider Man as a character, is like is like just a, a nerd who's got a mouth on him, right? Which yeah. is Andy Samberg can play that, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> like. So yeah, I mean that that totally worked, which was which is weird because like you know the Toby Maguire version, he was kind of like just a nerd, you know, yeah. and the Tom Tom Holland Tom Holland version is kind of like he's he feels like much less of a nerd, like he feels like a regular kid who's just very smart, who which I think is what they were going for, even though he's obviously being bullied still, but he was only really being bullied in the way that like everyone is. Yeah, but you know I think the Tom mean? Holland one like, is absolutely more
1: representing kind of like like younger generation version of nerd at high school. I think I think that's sure. actually what's quite successful with the newest film is that they made high school feel quite new, and it wasn't like the writers writing like a nineties high school. Basically, there's mm. the nerd, and they like they like Dungeons and Dragons and video games or something like. Oh, it's not, think, it's like. not
3: the way, it's, it's not in the things that he likes though. It's just the, in the way that he acts. Like Tom Holland as a man is just like so supremely confident in himself. Like you can tell, I mean, just like the way he holds himself, the way he speaks, like even with as young as he is, like he's so sure of himself. You know, and you can't, you can't help but like have that translate across to like, and all the dance training for a start, like anyone who's had (laughs) like a decent amount of dance, anyone who's had a decent amount of dance training, like the way that they walk across a room on camera, like, yeah, unless, unless they're (laughs) purposefully making themselves, like, it's not like he purposefully hunched or anything or like, and I don't think they should have done that for a second. Like they shouldn't have like. You know, they shouldn't have old, oversold it in the start, but I, I just feel like him as an actor, like, to me, he's just not really believable as someone who would have a hard time in high school. And then, of course, like, he ends up... He ends up, Like, he doesn't even pursue, like, this girl who's, like... Yeah. <laughs> who's, like, the object of his fantasies and is, like, part of the popular... Like, she goes after him, you know what I mean? So the, the premise that he's, like, this put-upon... Nerdy no, character just completely falls apart immediately. Well, anyway, but then, the but then that's that's what they were doing, too. right? I yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was, was right film. for that, definitely.
1: Because I think they the issue with the Marvel Super Spider Man, and I do like them, but the issue with the Marvel Superman is Iron Man, and the problem is, is they give Spider Man too much. Like, yeah. he, he gets so much given to him by this super powerful like benefactor who becomes like a father figure and and everything else that it's it's almost like it breaks the character because he's he immediately goes from like i'm a bit unfortunate kind of you know person living kid living in New york to basically i'm an avenger within like weeks and they they're kind of pretending that there's a struggle there but there isn't really he's just got here's your billion pound new suit here's this kind of thing and i think that breaks the character a little bit too much really
3: no i think i think you're right but i i think I think there's two reasons for that that aren't really justifiable, like in universe. (laughs) I think, I think one is because obviously all the disagreements about like who, about whether they were allowed to use the character or not meant that they probably felt like they were playing catch up and they wanted to get, they wanted to get to end game with him being like credible within that environment. And I think to do that, like he can't just be. He can't just be a kid in a in a wetsuit, you know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> he needs he needs a little bit and especially with all the stuff in space and everything, like he needs a little bit of a leg up. And I actually think the the second one to me, and this is actually something me and Jones disagreed about a lot with Iron Man 3, because I, I think so much of so much of what they tried to do with Iron Man in the MCU and the through line throughout it is the idea that like that Tony Stark is Iron Man. Right, like even in, even in the whole thing, like the "I am Iron Man" thing, mm-hmm. like that's that's the point. It's like Tony. It's like the suit is an Iron Man. Tony Stark is Iron Man. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that was the message that that's basically the one thing that he really teaches Peter Parker. Right in the yeah. in the new films is like the one thing that he that he really teaches him as this mentor father figure is. And I think he even directly says it in the movie. He says, like, if, if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve it, right, you know, right, or, right. or some, or something, something along those like lines. That. The the idea that, like, if you're, if when you take the suit away, then, the, then you're nothing, then you were never that thing to begin with. Right. Um, and right. I think that's, I think, so I think that, you know, that's obviously the kind of, in my mind, that's like the justification of what they're trying to do with it. But I think the yeah. main thing was they just saw Endgame coming
0: yes you know what i mean and they were like we need
3: we need to get this kid on a level where exactly yeah 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 yeah, and i I think i think they did i think they did okay i mean just thank god they didn't do the retread of the whole like origin and everything again you know
1: yeah and and uncle ben and everything else like that
3: and it's about
1: iron man 3 i I think iron man 3 is the only film for me that iron man apart like the only iron man film i think that works and there's actually has Mm. an interesting thing about iron man is Iron Man three, and the more I've watched it, the more it's jumped up in my expectations. In those films, I think it's by far the best Iron Man film, and I, I think, and it actually gives something like, it actually gives a struggle and an interesting character aspect to Tony Stark that I think is lacking in every other time they kind of put him on screen, and and I wish that, and I wish I don't know, maybe it might have been better if Iron Man three was embraced a little more because I think when they it then used him again in like Civil War and stuff like that, I think they just lack the they 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 drop anything about Tony Stark being anything else but like basically the best person in the world. Like, and it's really interesting to see Iron Man three him go through those struggles and him go through that kind of that fight. Really, I just think it works really well.
3: I like yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the thing with these with these characters, though, right? It's like the idea. I mean, the whole the whole point of a superhero is it's like, you know, if if you're if you're like not a character who always tries to do the right thing, no matter, no matter the odds, then you're not a superhero. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and it, and it goes back to like Tony Stark is Iron Man. The suit is not Iron Man. So even when you take the suit away from Tony Stark, he's still going to try and do what needs to be done. Like he just doesn't have, he just doesn't have that tool available to him. And I do think that's when it's when the Marvel films are at their best. Right. Cause they, they've got so good at doing a formula Yes. Which was obviously borrowed very heavily from the Sam Raimi, like the first Toby Maguire Spider Man, like because Iron Man is basically that Spider Man movie, right? Like it treads a very yeah, similar basically. path. Yeah, sure. Um, and they've and they've kind of like reproduced that and refined it f- because they have they've had to introduce all these characters. So there's been like some element of that like origin for all of them. But I think when those movies are at their best is like when that just falls apart a bit. Yeah. And I think yeah, that definitely. I think that I am I think that Iron Man three like, I understand why, you know, why some people don't like it, but I, I think it falls into that similar similar thing along with like the first Guardians of the Galaxy, along with um, you know, the Thor movie that's the good one. The one with the subtitle. Which one's that? Ragnarok. The one with immigrant song. Yeah. Yeah. Ragnarok. Um Anyway, they, we always end up ta- we LC, always end up talking yeah. about superhero movies when <laughs> when I come on here because it is it is my it is my guilty pleasure. I don't know how we got here, but it's because yeah, I said Andy
2: good. Samberg should have played Spider Man at some point. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Andy Andy Samberg like into into the Spider Verse, which is the best Marvel movie by a long way. You know, Andy Samberg could totally have played the um, P.I.B. Peter yeah Peter B or Peter C maybe we we'll, maybe we'll see it you know cuz Spider-verse is coming back isn't
1: it Yeah it is yeah. it is they just cast Spider-woman i think
2: i think that oh, came gosh. out yesterday
1: so they definitely are doing it
2: Going back to the Palm Spring thing it's funny though at the same time Netflix released that i think Amazon released their own like um like time loop film yeah it's called the the map of tiny perfect things but i think it's right. more of a I think it's a bit more of a young adult kind of story as opposed to like a,
3: sure, bit more mature. Well, Pal- Palm Spring, Palm Springs, I think was a Hulu thing. Oh, I was, and a- then obviously like Netflix picked it up like eventually, which is when I watched it because lol, Hulu. I'm not gonna get that. I, I don't have time to watch anything on my Net- Netflix account. Let alone like, like, <laughs> it's all bloody Pepper, Pepper Pig. Palm Springs is an Amazon release
1: it. in the UK. It's not a Netflix release. Oh, is it? Ma- oh, oh, I guess. I guess we. I yeah. guess
3: we watch it on. I guess we watch it on Amazon then. But yeah, I know we we'll oh, get letters if I didn't correct that. <laughs> letters, from all, our, all our handwritten, letters. handwritten letters from in Andy Sandberg. <laughs> P.S. I could totally play any version of Peter Parker. Who would Who would ambi- Andy Sandberg play in the uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? If he would he have wasn't. been a good Ant Man if Paul Rudd he would, wasn't. He'd be wasn't another Spider
2: Man from another universe in the multiverse. <laughs> Why not?
3: Yeah, yeah, could be. He could be. He could be the Spider-Man who was never mentored by Tony Stark. That'd be much better. There we go. A crappy one.
1: You
0: <laughs> <be> read Richards. <laughs>
3: he could be. I don't get yeah.
1: the intelligence thing. I don't think that would work. I
2: do think Seth Rogen should play the thing in the next Fantastic Four movie, though. I think he'd be a good. Um, Ben I Grimm think actually thing. he
1: would be quite good. If I'm very, yeah. I think
3: actually he would be quite good. So yeah, give me um, them monies. I've Marvel,
2: got... I've given you a good idea there.
3: Isn't that? Isn't the thing? Isn't that guy meant to be a very sort of military guy though? Isn't that his, Isn't that his thing? Like he ben. was like the sort of ass kicker army dude. Hey, he was the which, Green
2: Hornet. He can kick some ass.
3: That's true. He was the Green Hornet. He's um, Jewish, isn't he? The he same. is. Yeah. But there's. Mm-hmm.
1: It's got to that going for person to play it. <laughs> i tell you, do you know who my <laughs> one of God's Mr. chosen F- people, Mr. Fantastic, yeah. casting is who I think would do really good? Is um, and not this, I don't want it to be John Kaczynski and his wife, that would really annoy me. <laughs> if
2: they do, is that. it the guy from um, Midsommar? Because I remember you saying that before.
1: Oh, uh, did I say it before? Yeah, William Jackson Harper, the guy from yeah.
3: Midsummer and um, The Good Place.
1: I think he would do it awesome, like uh, Mr. Fantastic.
3: All right, I'm going to make a suggestion. Don't write it off immediately, right? Think about it. But what if Benedict Cumberbatch played Mr. Fantastic (laughs) and Doctor Strange at the same time? Why not? And that was, why not? Why couldn't, why couldn't he be, you know, why couldn't it be that one of them was from a timeline where they were accidentally switched at birth, so they had a very different (laughs) life? but they were still, like, the same person, like, and, you know what I mean? Like, they still had the super genius thing going for them. And yeah, that's bro. part of the, like, that's part of the Fantastic Four, like, accident, right? Because they're in spec <laughs> and it creates, like, the weird, the weird, like, time loop situation. And then it's, like, flashback to when Benedict Cumberbatch is doing is oh, I've seen 14 million versions of this. And it turns out... That it's not like it's not the thing. where is like Benedict Cumberbatch says, "Oh, Tony Stark, I've seen it, but I can't tell you because it might change." And the answer is, do the really fucking obvious thing. <laughs> Which <laughs> like, <laughs> if you knew you could have done that all along, like why didn't you just do that? You know, if you just built anyway. But well, that's the real right. thing. The real thing is he has to he has to cause the accident that creates the Fantastic 4 that also sets off a chain reaction that brings the guy with the big head to earth. And yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm head. just saying put me in charge. I've got ideas. I don't know. There's the gray one with the green hat and I don't know. They've got to pick a new they got to pick a new villain for the next arc, right?
1: I've got, I it's know true. Mackie. you mean it. it's gone out of my head now because I don't know what you think of <laughs> <laughs> No who's silver I don't silver
3: I silver don't, don't think I mean I don't think I mean shortly I mean... do I uh I don't know maybe I do
1: but well, I think you've cracked it anyway. The big problem with the Marvel Universe is that Benedict Cumberbatch isn't playing more characters. Yeah, so he's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> why did he?
3: Ha- why did he have to be American? It's so off-putting. I know. Really and it off-putting. just makes like it makes the whole like he's just Tony Stark again so much worse. Like if he'd just been British. Like if he'd just played Sherlock, you if know. It's worse like- now.
1: It's gonna get worse because they are absolutely positioning him to be the head of the Marvel Universe for the next you think few so? years. Really. Like- yeah, yeah. No. He, Doctor Strange and Spider Man will be the two leads in the Marvel Universe
2: now. I've, like, I've always hated his American accent. Always in any film he's been in, I'd, and I don't get me wrong, I like Benedict Cumberbatch, but his American accent just does not work for me.
1: No, it doesn't work for me either because he's the most English man in the universe. Yeah, like, he's so English <laughs> that he, he's family col- colonizing fucking countries. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous to say that he's
3: American. Like Benedict he's, Cumberbatch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um do you think is well I mean he's going to be one of the like poster people I guess. Yeah. But it's weird cuz I guess the kind of if you want to call it like phase 1 or whatever was very much like Captain America and Iron Man wasn't it which mm-hmm. is why they've been sort of retired now.
0: And I you know
1: But I and mean, I guess uh, well cuz it's it's Captain Marvel right? Like, They're positioning Black Panther for that role but I don't know what they'll do with that now. Like and that, that's going to be completely up in the air really. I think yeah. it's a shame they don't Such casted, a shame, to be honest.
2: Because he was only in, like, what, one and a half films, really? And I think, no no, no disrespect to, um, uh, what's his name? This is real disrespectful, I've forgotten. It's Chadwick Boseman. (laughs) Obviously, it's really sad that he passed away. But I, I don't know. I just think it's a shame that, you know, you only get to see this character, like, in one, like, in a few films. Like, I think, you know, that character could be explored a bit more. I don't know. I, don't know you I think, think the
3: good the good thing about the setup is you know you just you can very easily pass the mantle along to a yeah. different actor a different character. I'm sure there's plenty of precedent in the in the, the books for that.
1: But there's already so. precedent in the films. Basically, he's the second Black Panther in the films already, so there's true, no reason yeah, not yeah. the third Black Panther. I just I don't think recasting is it. I think even though as you say he's only in like a a, a film and a half, basically. That he's, he made such a big impact on the people that very much care about that and they were looking for that reputation that I just think recasting it would come across badly but to actually, do actually like,
3: that'd be that'd be so I- good anyway because his whole thing was like his whole thing was like pulling Wakanda out of this slightly yeah. slightly fascist like isolated yeah. kind of deal and he was like no we're gonna we're gonna like live up to what we believe about ourselves and we're gonna be part of the world yeah. and I think that brilliantly sets up someone to take on the mantle, because then it becomes, well, you know, um, he made all these promises. He said he was going to do all these things and then it, it's just up to the new person to do it. Right. And it's like, well, it was easy for him to say, we're going to be like, the, we're going to be world leaders. We're going to fix all these problems. We're going to do this and that. And then suddenly someone else is sitting there and everyone's looking at them going, how, and they don't have the option of hiding away anymore. I think the that's question, super interesting.
1: It, the 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 thing that I guess would be the obvious thing is if they hadn't killed um, th- uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan in the first film, yeah. And if
0: mm, I think that would be the obvious yeah. thing to
1: step in and and use Killmonger, that would, oh, yeah, maybe change your name. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, maybe they'll just do a hand waving of he didn't die. Really, because um, I think that would make a lot of sense. Because these plot is very much about. The themes that you're kind of talking about, really, that they can move forward with.
3: Anyway, we've talked a lot about Marvel as we always do. Moving forward,
1: shall we move forward with the show? Let's Um, let's do it. So, so today's episode, we're looking at the 1983 kind of uh, medieval sci-fi fantasy film, uh, Krull,
0: on a distant planet. The great kingdom was ravaged by beings
3: who came from the future to conquer the universe.
0: Now, the only survivors follow a doubtful seer and a throneless king. They will hold her in the Black Fortress. You must have help.
2: Bandits, fighters, and brawlers. Desperate men. Those are the kind of men I need. Well, you heard him. We are now an army.
0: (laughs) At the end of an impossible journey, they must fight an invincible enemy. Here's the knowledge you seek. I
1: shall be your king. In the fortress, you will face more than the slayers.
2: What is about to happen to them? Would never have happened on Earth. <laughs>
0: Columbia Pictures presents a world apart from anything you have seen before. Crawl. <laughs> Shit name to say.
1: Crawl.
3: Crawl. Crawl. Yeah, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, does it? Yeah, crawl. Yeah. It's very much like the well, a was... sentence word. Of course, 1983, a year famous for being the year before I was born. Hey, but now that I we're now that we've talked, <laughs> now that we've talked a lot about Marvel, I am gonna. I think one really interesting thing about this film that you, you, that you can't escape from is the fact that it. I believe it came out the same year as Return of the Jedi. Is that right?
2: It did. Yeah, just a little bit after, I think.
3: It and came I out think that
1: like three weeks later and was crushed at the box office by it. Oh, Still.
3: three weeks three <laughs> weeks after Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Not good. Not good. And it's so it's so interesting, I think, watching a movie like this in that context of like So the first two, like Empire Strikes Back has already come out, right? Yep. Like and from what I read quickly on Wikipedia before this, like the the idea, the first, this film started its journey in like 1980. So yeah. they've had all this lead in time. They've had like Empire Strikes Back come out. And then they just like, and then this is what they have. Yeah. Like I just, like if you put this, mo- like, and I think it, I think it actually says a lot about just what a seismic leap forward Star Wars was in mm-hmm. so many ways, just for movie making. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I was wondering but how rather long than it would take rather things, than anything particular. I was wondering how long it would yeah. take until Star Wars was brought into the conversation, and literally, <laughs> it was the first fucking <laughs> thing people said.
3: Well, well, you know, we we st- we stopped talking about Marvel, so we're going. So but I, I think it like, of course.
2: Hey, you know who did the comic book adaptation though? Go on, Marvel. <laughs> oh shit! It, <laughs> it all comes
3: co- it all comes full circle. Um. But you can't, you can't talk about like, this without talking about
1: you, Star Wars. The whole point of this is yeah, that Star yeah. Wars existed. Like, um, and, and you can't like you can't, know, like, you
3: can't separate. About, yeah, you can't separate. And I think like any any time like you, for me personally, like any time I watch anything that's outside of my like personal cultural experience, it's like you have to find those kind of touchstones to understand. Like, okay, well, what what movie? Well, like, what context was this movie? made in yeah. right like what like what was the what was the world like when this when this thing was made and how does how did people's ideas of what movies were of what fantasy was of what action was all yeah. these things like how did that inform or even the idea like in this movie the idea of like i mean how many female characters are there in this movie one there's a Two, princess right th-
2: th- there's th- three no four you've got the queen or the princess You've kind of the got the princess. spider witchy woman, the
1: widow of the web. Oh
3: yeah you've, got, yeah,
2: you've got one of Liam Neeson's many wives, who is only brought in yeah. to, to cook food, and then you've kind of got the the um, <laughs> but Liam the Neeson's one woman. character
3: trait. And yeah, got the yeah. Which class. does you know? Does that oh, yeah. does that even count? Like, but, so they're, ca- change they're change all they're all like weirdly. I
1: totally forgot about that weird scene that she like, just did know- like a little kind of scene. She just goes. Ah!
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I know when you go back to star wars really there's only one female in all those films and that's obviously princess Leia. but she gets so much to do whereas in this sure. film yeah, the, yeah. The, the princess in this film does nothing oh. like literally nothing like apparently it was it's, written it
1: was so disappointing to me
2: apparently it was written that she was gonna have a heel turn at some point so obviously that yeah, the, yeah. That the villain was going to like corrupt her or something, and that would have been way more interesting. She was meant they'd...
1: to be the antagonist at the end of the film. That was in yeah. the original script, and they they decided against that basically, and gave her yeah, wants to, to remain to do a
2: instead. keep her pure or something. And it's, that's such a bad yeah. decision.
3: But I think that's that's why I find this fascinating because I think like in the context of like the films I watched growing up, like Star Wars was just such a huge factor. In those movies, just the way they were made, the expectations of the audience. You know, you watch movies that we would have watched as, like, young kids or, you know, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, or, you know, all of those things all lean so heavily on things that were things that were, that were laid down at that time. And then you look at Kroll and you're like, so that this exists at the same time. They have Empire Strikes Back to draw on. They have the same stuff, but, yeah. Same cinematographer but as well. But it's such, <laughs> like... But same it's such like one of one of the one of the first notes that I wrote down while I was watching this is like is like what year is it <laughs> so many of these like so many of these standards that they that they fall back on like it seems to be like the the comfortable place that these filmmakers exist in is that kind of like you know Errol Flynn, like yeah. there's there's a reason that like the main guy looks like Errol Flynn. It's because they wanted their main yeah. guy oh, yeah. to look like Errol Flynn. Well, they wanted him that, to wear though. they wanted him to wear stripy trousers and swing from a chandelier, which I think he does in the first five minutes oh, of the yeah. film. Exactly.
1: I think you nailed that because like the reason like this is kind of even on our list and and we you know where every time we're trying to populate these kind of like lists that we do each year. It's the '80s is not going to be the '50s for our list. You know, we're looking at films that kind of like pinpoint the era and give us th- stuff to kind of like think about. And the interesting thing about the '80s is you see a shift. It's basically where like New Hollywood from the '70s is 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 now hit the kind of end of the '70s, which blockbusters get invented. You know, Jaws, Star Wars, Superman, like. And that gets pushed into the early eighties now. And you are getting these, you're still getting these old school filmmakers though, who are making films. Like, so you're still getting people like David Lean, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. And and he's making these epic grand films in the eighties still. But he's doing it in such an old style, and only harking back to these old kind of epics of the sixties, like you say, Errol Flynn. Looking further back, like that's their touchstones. The director of this, David Yet Peter Yates, you know, he's a sixties filmmaker, really. He did Bullets and things like that. Like he's 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 arcing back to much older things when he's making these. So he's not. Then they are they exist because of Star Wars, but it's this really interesting mix of classics, Hollywood trying to do like modern blockbusters, and they haven't quite decided what that track is yet and know what likes really going to work for that and i think that's why you get at this time period you know we talked about it in the bruce lee episode you get that that bruce lee i can't remember that bruce lee like mm. films that come out after his and we mm-hmm. are totally in the in the 80s now we're doing star wars films and st- like a Star Wars type film is what everyone is trying to make continuously, and th- this is this is the best example I think we could find and do an episode on. But there what? are so many films that come out in this time that are just doing Star Wars.
2: Star Wars is a lot like the Matrix. Like, do you remember when the Matrix came out? There were so many films yeah. that followed that and trying to be the Matrix and it all failed. Like same as Star Wars. Like after mm-hmm. Star Wars, you had Flash Gordon, Excalibur, yep. uh, Hawk the Slayer. Yep. You had so like even Conan yep. K- is all right, but uh, but. Like Last Starfighter, yeah, Masters exactly. of the Universe, like yeah. uh, Battlestar
1: Galactica. I mean, Flash.
3: Flash Gordon's not the best example because it is the second best movie ever made. But I see your <laughs> point.
2: Go on, go on, give us a little blast.
3: Gordon's alive. <laughs> there
1: it is. <laughs> and you get like Roger Corman's doing his own stuff, Battle Beyond the Stars. You get like yeah, um yeah. Star Crash, Orin as well. I watched Orin this week, like. That's not good. and you also get like, you know, I think one that I think we've all seen, um, but but maybe not, and it's kind of, it came became a classic later, but we we know it as Turkish Star Wars, but the man who saved the world is the original name of it. Like and you get all these films which are getting piled out that are just doing a Star Wars. Like, let's yep. go do a space opera. You know, we haven't done space operas before. Now we do these space operas. And this film, Kroll, is very much them going, let's do a Star Wars, but let's but it's also I think I was a huge debt to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Excalibur yeah definitely like it's 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 not just building on the 1978 Star Wars it's building on like 1981 film so it's building on like Excalibur especially this film is so much like sword and sword and sorcery more than like Martin's Space Adventure and then the Raiders kind of like elements of this these like different set pieces different areas different like pulpy kind of swashbuckling and I think and and being able to push this out as a summer film, summer blockbusters are still new <laughs> in this time period, like so. And this is what all kind of merges together to them try and make this script. And Paul, you already um alluded on this, but the production time for this film is ridiculous. I think they were in it's production like- for two years or something for, to make this yeah, film, yeah. But from when they, they, they started
2: shooting till it came out, it's only like six months,
1: yeah. So then they crazy. nailed it. Well, not nailed it, but then they went for it. I mean, like, <laughs> but like, so the original title of this film was The Dragons of Krull. Um, and it was and it was uh, meant to be like the beast was meant to be some sort of dragon and it was some sort of venture to go kill a dragon on a planet. This has led to mountains of like evidence out there that people say it was meant to be a Dungeons and Dragons film when it first came out. Uh, but Gary Gygak, I believe he says. Name, Gygax. But- you, like you pronounce the X
3: Yeah, uh, He's
1: said quite a few times That they never approached him And as far as he's aware It was never going to be a, a Dungeons and Dragons film But clearly like That's what everyone was seeing When this was coming through like The kind of systems and, and getting put up And basically they said the first script was too boring uh, And uh, they gave it to the screenwriter Of the sequel to Any Which Way But Loose
2: Do you know Any Which Way <laughs> But Loose? Clyde the orangutan isn't it?
3: Yeah
1: so the so they gave it to this,
3: any which way. I wrote I wrote I wrote a pilot for a cartoon with an orangutan called Clyde in it as one of the main characters. <laughs> on. Anyway, Wasn't carry it based on.
2: on the drawings that I did, Clyde and Norris.
3: Clyde and Norris, yeah. There you go. Clyde and Norris, Norris was yeah. a yeah. Norris was a hedgehog. We'll talk about that another Bo- time.
2: Bojack Horseman <laughs> beat us to the punch on that one, though, didn't they?
3: And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I they did. did. A much they did a much much better job than than we could have ever done
1: hogwash but yeah anyway <laughs> they give it to the screenwriter of any which way you can he turns out this script and they bring on David Yates basically he's he's brought on to make it he David Yates is a odd directors really He, you know he did bullet in the 60s he did breaking away the cycling film I don't know if you've seen that um really odd decision to give it to this guy to make the film because he's not really handled anything like this before. Uh, to the point of when he was actually making this film, he he quit in the middle and took a holiday. <laughs> he went on holiday to the Caribbean for something like a, few, a couple of weeks, I think it was, and just left like the assistant supervisor director to kind of take over for a couple of weeks or something. Maybe it was only a couple of days, but he definitely left. Um, and he, he kind of was excited to do a film that wasn't about reality, that he didn't have to research for, that he didn't have to um, think about, was basically the, what I get from his kind of like way he talks, he goes, and it turns out, it turns out it was actually way harder. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, (laughs) you you just had to use your imagination. Your imagination's endless. So, you know, it was really fun to do. And it's like,
3: no, (laughs) you still have to. Creative, (laughs) creative energy is infinite. Yes, exactly. And, um, Oh. Sorry, carry on. So I know I know you're like dropping facts right now, so I don't want to I don't want to intervene too much.
1: No, go on. I <laughs> just thought,
3: I just thought it was interesting, like talking about the whole like dragons of crawl thing and, and the change from that, because that was obviously when the decision was made to go from like a more pure fantasy into like the sort of sci-fi fantasy kind of yeah, thing. I, I imagine. So, yeah. I like, imagine. going from going from it's a dragon to it's a spaceship. Um, And I think uh, I think a core part of that is actually a lot of the a lot of the visual design around like the kind of evil elements of the film and a lot of the a lot of the moments that are meant to be like scary. Just land so well and so much more consistently than the, anything else in the film. The proser-
2: yeah, production design is I, yeah, amazing. Absolutely. So, like that in that fortress, yeah. and there's mm. a weird like forest at the end that they kind of go into this like rocky weird forest. But even like the castle at the beginning mm. and the suits of armor that they all wear, like to me, promise so much more than the film actually delivered. Because once they start going on their quest, and even though the sets are really because it's all sets when they're in woodlands and stuff like that. It's Twenty-three kind of like sets in, it
1: was at Pinewood. Twenty-three yeah. sets, including like, like the 007 stage set. I just,
2: like, I just don't think they went interesting enough with that. There was no like, like so when they go to the swamp in in uh, Empire Strikes Back, you see things like weird creatures flying around or crawling around just in the foreground, just to kind of say it's a foreign land. It's like it's not Earth. It's totally different. Whereas I, don't, I think they kind of nailed that in this. Like a it's thing. funny,
3: isn't it? It's like. It's it's like they made a lot of the foundational elements of the world building, but then forgot to build anything on it.
1: Yeah, yeah I absolutely. You know what agree. I mean? Like, there's absolutely. all this,
3: there's all this setting, and then none of that really matters. Although my f- probably my favorite moment in the film, apart from every single close up of the Cyclops, which every single one is a <laughs> cinematic masterpiece. I
2: swear he sometimes be <laughs> winking. Like- but how do you <laughs> wink with one eye? <laughs> like.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think he's blinking. meant to be just emoting. But my my favorite bit in the film is actually right near the start, in like the overlong, slightly wonky like action scene at the start, oh, the, where oh, there's yeah. a bit where like the princess is escaping through the secret tunnel, and there's like one of the guards is having like a uh, one-on-one duel on the stairs with one of the slayers. I love I love that they just didn't give a shit about the names of the evil stuff. The beast, <laughs> the slayers. The castle or whatever it is. Anyway, so he's having this sword fight with the thing, but it's established earlier through movement of the guards that they cannot turn their head (laughs) like (laughs) like Christian Bale in in Batman Begins. Yeah, so they can't turn their head like that. And also they have floor-length capes and he's fighting on stairs walking backwards. (laughs) So he's in a situation where he's like holding his cape kind of up (laughs) by his... Uh, by his hip in one hand, like away from the camera, and trying to sword fight like well, on it's... on some stairs while walking backwards, unable to turn his head, and watching this guy trying his best. It was quite is, funny. like a it metaphor for life, you know. Films
2: like they all they they train for months doing these elaborate fight scenes, but, and, but they do it out of costume, and then they put the costume yeah. on. And they think, oh fuck, we can't do any of that. So literally, all we can do is. A simple back and forth motion with the swords, and that's it. Like it gets reduced. Well, this, and is I know actually, they, that this is actually worse than that happened on the universe and stuff.
1: This is actually worse than that. They, the poor guy Marshall, the actor from this, uh, Ken Marshall, he trained for months and months and months on this. They put him through massive, rigorous like training and exercising and horse riding, teaching and swashbuckling. Like Yates was obsessed with this being like a swashbuckling adventure. That's what he really wanted it to be. So that's why you see the action at the start is meant to be all this kind of like swords fighting and things. Um, but, however, like they wanted a unique um, squash buckling and unique weapons, so all the pre-production design was designing these unique weapons that weren't like didn't look like our like normal swords and didn't look like normal daggers. Um, they went through all these t- that choreography and costuming with these weird weapons and then they got on set and decided that they, they didn't work so they just gave him normal, normal looking swords and stuff like that so all the kind of pre-production elements that make these things interesting unique was scrapped and then they just filmed this him kind of like jumping down a few stairs and added to the fact as you were saying like they couldn't look at the costumes these costumes for the slayers were designed 10 days before shooting like i think and and um the they basically had to do 24 hour nights of just making 12 20 costumes i think it was they made in the ends they were doing 12 hour shifts just to just to pull out these costumes that no one had decided to build and no one decided to properly test before actually just shoving at like people on set wearing them and there's a bit right at the beginning when she's escaping the prince is escaping down a corridor and she's being led by someone one of the guards and you can tell that 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 poor guy does not cannot see where he's going he's walking down this corridor like he's a blind <laughs> man like like touching you... <laughs> the side of the walls and like like looking down and little steps it's it, i felt so bad for the actor
2: you need to train to wear these costumes it's like when they did robocop they put uh, Peter Weller in the suit and expects him to like act like ten seconds later as soon as he got in the costume and he started to wear this costume. He's like, I, I can't move. I need to learn how to move in this costume and kind of, even if I can't move properly, I can put it into the performance that it's awkward to move in and kind of work it in that way. Yeah. If but these films, they don't give them the luxury of doing that. They just kind of like, okay, you in the costume now, go. And so you just now get go. these kind of really awkward kind of. Like scenes and scenarios, yeah, it's just bizarre.
3: I know, go like that's such a thing, especially with these kind of like more background characters and stuff that they just turn up on set and get put in a costume and they're like, right, you're going to fight these guys. And they don't really tell them anything else. It's like the famous story of the guy who was like an extra on Return of the Jedi. And he thought that C-3PO was like a man in a golden set of armor or something, because he just (laughs) had had literally no frame of reference for anything that was going on at all. But he was just stood there like being a Star Wars guy, you know, applauding them, not giving Chewbacca a medal. You know all that kind of stuff, but um, well, it's like look at the oh God, the, 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 the from, nerd memes pulling a, them out.
2: The first Star Wars, you got all the stormtroopers running out of the door, and the one just clocks his head off the top of the door because he's too tall. He couldn't Course, see what yeah, he's yeah. doing. <laughs> we see the one it's in this kind of tall way, for the stunt, a stormtrooper.
1: The stunt um, actors jump off like little cliffs to jump on horses, and one of them oh, and he completely
2: the misses the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and like, they just Whoa. leave it in. Just that whole, whole in. sequence,
3: <laughs> that whole sequence is so funny to me because it's like they set up. This is just, this is like filmmaking at its purest for me personally, because they set up this scenario where they found out where they have to go and they only have a certain amount of time to get there. And it's a a million miles away. And they're Mm -hmm. like, how are we going to go a million miles? That's impossible in this fantasy world that like you don't know. But then another character just goes fire mares <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh shit I forgot about fire mares that can easily go a million miles in a day what an idiot there's, I am and there's then just, there's just so that is resolved in like two seconds a- but then the scene of know, them the scene of them wrangling the fire mares <laughs> goes takes another five face. minutes and then there's another <laughs> five minutes of them riding the fire mares which is some really nice shots actually I really like the, the sort of thin like line. Of fire across these like yeah. big landscapes, should, which again are some of the really nice parts of the movie. These like big sweeping landscapes. You should um, see them anyway, behind the scenes footage of
2: that because those Clydesdale horses are massive. They're like they're the biggest horses you Yeah, see, yeah. much. And you should see them on these tread. They've got them on treadmills, and that's how they achieve those like green screen chroma sh- key shots.
3: Oh, I was I was wondering because when the when the Cyclops is like going to like catch them up, and he's clearly like on a green screen. I was like, what? How did they? What's going on? But yeah putting a horse on a treadmill fair play
1: you're right but, though yeah. everything in this film though there's no there's no long-term setup and payoff yeah it's like everything. the glaive yeah, like, when they introduced yeah, the yeah. glaive you think like, the
2: glaive the glaive would do is it the glaive or the clave glaive 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 with a g like even the way that the the, yeah. the kind of the obi-wan guy kind of brings it up it's just so flippant it's like oh, of course you need the glaive and it's like well, what need the glaive
3: Go get the but place. the gla- but the glaive's just a story. No, then, actually, it's real. If you just walk up there, just walk up the yeah. hill <laughs> it's next to <just> there.
2: <laughs> they milk that when he's climbing at that mountain. They milk that scene so much, and you can oh, clearly tell it's a stunt performer. It's about five minutes long. I'm like, Jesus Christ, hurry up!
3: Yeah, what and it's—it's it's meant to be like representing some sort of arduous journey, but it's like, so wait let me let me be clear about what's going on here you set up you set up a MacGuffin that you need to go on an arduous journey to reclaim so you can go and set up the so you so you can go and save the princess which will also be an arduous journey <laughs> through like so like, but then but then also he can't use the glaive until he gets to the princess at the end anyway yeah so like, as, as far, fu- I'm sorry, I but like, as far as like storytelling I, I goes, it. it's such nonsense. It's like, it's why nonsense. didn't the old guy just have the glaive? Yeah. Why didn't he go and deliver the... De- why wasn't the glaive, like, a thing? You know, with the king's necklace that he takes off? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's in the shape of the glaive? The glaive, yeah. <laughs> that you anything. know what I mean? It's like, why can't he, like, unlock this secret and, and say something like, uh, it's like, oh, I came to find a king, but only a boy, and only the king can unlock the power of the glaive, which is what you need. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Why it feels he- like the solution is so obvious. Why he but- wasn't
1: just using it through the film, and then, yeah. like, but, like, shit... Shitly, and then at the end he's like, ah, this is the real way to use it. And I was so annoyed the- <laughs> when he actually uses it at the end, and it just drives it itself. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's no. No, is is
3: there like looking like he's concentrating on it <laughs> yeah. with his little handout? But this actually segues in, into another point that I have, which from my from my little nerdy brain, and I think a lot of it is because. Not the movie just doesn't really connect to itself. Like, there's no, there's no real through line other than the fact that they're traveling somewhere, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. no. And where are they going to begin with? Anyway, not yeah,
2: because,
3: because they don't know where the
2: castle <laughs> like, is, do they? This, this shit it's, yeah. So where are they going? Where were they, they going? always going? Yeah.
3: Were they always going to the spider lady? Well, obviously Was no, they're the going thing? to the
2: spider lady, and they're going to the 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 uh, the cri- not crimson, the the emerald. Uh, the, you know, the seer guy. I
3: oh, the temple. seer guy, yeah, yeah. But again, there's like, two things that are just totally... <laughs> anyway, whatever. But, like, so there's no kind of through line. And I was thinking about it, and I made a little joke to myself about how, like, he unlocks the glaive skill... Towards the end, you know what I mean. It's like he levels up, and sure. like now he can use, and now he can use his new ability. But then when he loses the glaive, I'm like, oh, that's that's bad gming that is because you've given the player characters something and then taken it away from yeah. them. And player characters Absolutely. don't like that. But then I was like, maybe it's like in a video game when you get like a special ability for a specific boss fight, and it's meant to be just like a fun extra thing. But then immediately afterwards, he unlocks his new skill, which is the fire. Th- <laughs> The flame, the flame powers, which, so I think like the whole thing to me, yeah, I was just like, it
2: was set up a bit earlier on.
3: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the whole thing to me was like, why it, was it both it,
1: for them using the firepower? Why did she yeah.
3: just yeah, have to well, stand that's, by that's and a, That's a him good, use, exactly. use it? That's, that is, that is a good question. The answer is sexism. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. like the, but the whole thing to me, it almost felt like, it almost felt like it was constructed like a DD campaign.
1: Yeah, I think you this know what, is what I mean. Like, did link it originally as well. Yeah, because it is that just it could, of be, like it could location, be location, 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 location. But then
3: I don't, I don't think that's based on anything to do with like the setting or anything. I think it's just the rhythm of the, the story. Of it. Yeah, yeah, feels feels like an almost like session based thing where mm-hmm. it's like you have this overarching goal, but then actually, them getting to the end bit feels like such an arbitrary point in the story. You yeah, know, and they've they've just gone on, the on these like up, mini so adventures. Like, yeah, it's
1: there. Get on the horses, and you get there. Like because <laughs> we yeah cause we yeah exactly, it, and it's like
3: out. and. And that's why it's so like weirdly paced because the GM didn't have anything planned for like the climb up the mountain to get the glaive or anything. Well, it, so it's just like unlocked but they're like, oh shit, they've got this magic weapon, but uh you can't use it yet because you're not high enough level or what you know what I mean? Like it's there's, there's so what? much of it feels like they treat weird. it
2: like it's you know, the sword and the stone, which you know, is is a massive it's the whole it's a yeah. massive yeah, set yeah, yeah, yeah. of that storyline. You think in the, the- the pre, you know, the pre, the setup of the film, it would have been mentioned the glaive and kind of really be bought up and like built up and stuff. But it's just, well, it's, it's, it's nothing. And it, enough a scene doesn't it's, it's, it's sci fi <laughs> fantasy weapons. And I'm sorry, it's rubbish. It's like a little <laughs> squid a thing blades <laughs> that pop out and it does bugger all.
3: It, get, they, it gets points for originality and they frame it really nicely when, when he uses it. I think any I normal screenplay
1: would have been like, like this, there's this epic weapon you need to defeat the beast. It's been told in our tales for years. Let's go on a venture to get the weapon. And when we got it, we could fight the beast. I think that's like what it felt like it was going to be. And then they just introduced the yeah. weapon, but like, like and then, but they introduced the weapon, but actually, actually, just keep it on your belt for the entire time. Don't touch it because yeah. you, know, you can't have use it. The yet. Symbolism it felt so, it of felt so nullifying. Ha-
2: you know have the symbolism of the glaive throughout the film like it's in like structures and things like that do you know what i mean so it's kind of like part of the world like to be honest you see nothing part of the of world, world. Yeah. you see sure. you see one castle that's surrounded by nothing and it's like a tiny little castle because it's like a forced perspective shot that doesn't quite i work. did ask this and, and i've got like, a question there's yeah. nothing About else around kind
1: of at <laughs> this kind of sci-fi yeah, a, no is one weird to me. Yeah. when you're like yeah so what are they they're kings of the planet well, there were two kingdoms of the whole planet. Is that what it is? Who are so, they maybe. ruling? Who are they, they lost put- three
3: hundred men on the
1: way to what? Like, to... why aren't they in a city? Yeah. Why are they just? Do they rule over this wasteland? Is that their kingdom? Like, why is the beast here? Like, what's what's to gain for him at this planet? Like, it's
3: yeah, it's like the pe- the people they meet. Like, one of them arrives as a fireball. Some of them are escaped <laughs> prisoners from somewhere. somewhere. So I guess there's yeah. like. I guess a prison exists. I guess. So there's a castle. There's a castle and a prison and, a prison. and
1: nothing else. And that, remember, because <laughs> he releases um, the guy from EastEnders and his um, little cuffs. Uh, Todd Carty, is it? And uh, he goes, but only the king or the high warden would have those keys or something. Mm. What? Like, there's only two people in the world that can unlock prisons. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems, it just seems impractical. It seems impractical. How small is the planet? Maybe the planet's tiny. Maybe that's what I'm missing. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You know how it It can't be that tiny (laughs) because they have to use the fire horses to travel thousands of miles. So (laughs) fire mares. So. Um, population going back of to the whole D and D whole planet. You, you know, going back to the whole D and D campaign thing, it feels like you know the the Cyclops, and he has to where they, you know, when they capture the fire mares, he says, "I must remain here," and they they all kind of uh, suggest that he's going to die there. It feels like the one uh, guy playing so the D and D campaign who has to go home for tea. So they're like, "No, we'll kill you off now." <laughs> but he finishes his tea quickly. He's like, "Oh, I'm coming back to play. I'm coming back to play now. Can you write me back in?" It's
1: I don't understand how absolutely. that those beats made it through the screenplay. I'm very honest without that. Like I don't understand how he made it through the screenplay. When you introduce his character that and I think it's kinda of cool actually when you say like the mysticism behind the Cyclops when they're saying they can they gave up an eye to the beast and they can now see the future, but the only future they can see is their own death. I was like, fine, okay, that I can live with that. That's that's that works. And so you have this like moro idea that these these cyclopses are kind of morose because they know when they're going to die. Although I don't particularly buy that. I think if you knew when you're going to die, you'd you'd be a bit more wild, frankly. But um, <laughs> he. Um, he then like makes the big proclamation at the fire horse is that he has to remain here because this is, this is fate. He had to remain here yet. There's, they're not showing any threat to him. There's no, there's not like an army attacking the, the area they're Mm -hmm. in. There's not like something he has to take a stand against. There's, there's displayed on screen, no reason for him to stay behind. Apart from he's just saying, I need to stay behind. And they give a big emotional goodbye. And then not two minutes later, a film, is he racing back in as like a triumphant saviour? And it's it I Cannot understand why there was no beats to this, and no one went. How about not having him stay behind <laughs> and just having it's him weird, you feel sacrifice like... himself at the point of sacrificing himself at the film?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, surely that was the original idea, right? Like, surely, surely he's in this. Surely he's in this doorway, and they're saying yeah. to him, they're saying to him, "Come on, come, come, on, come on. And on!" And he goes, "No," and he goes, "Like, no." He goes like, no. Yeah. He's like, he's like, "No, this is my time," this and he like fate, turns yeah. to go. He turns to go and fight the the slayers that are like yeah, coming the, in like yeah, surely that's, cool. that's surely that was it Apart from, that was oh my good. god surely the guy the, guy the guy the guy with the fucking parkour roll out of the doorway and yes. then it
0: takes him like five <laughs> okay. seconds to stand
3: up and run off i love it so much it's so good but like surely surely that was what it was
1: that I couldn't like. Work it it out. Like, must, that have must, have been. must have been, but
3: they did. They did set it up. This they, there is a setup in the movie. To be fair, there's a setup. The idea that like, if they don't just go along with it and accept their fate it's somehow, like, super painful. So I I think, like, maybe the idea was meant to be if he just stayed, he would have, like, just passed away peacefully, but because he went to help, he had this, like, horrifying, Horrifying like, squish death death thing. Maybe, like, maybe that was the idea, but But, I don't know. They They definitely definitely didn't sell it very well.
1: If there was, like, an army approaching him or something like that, and he was like, no, go, I need to stay here, it's my fate, but then miraculously he still comes back later on. That's two story beats for him just to go no I need to stay here in this this valley (laughs) like with the
0: horses
1: (laughs) I mean there's
3: there's definitely like there is a version of this that works right like there is there is something because at the core of it because he keeps saying like it's man's fate you know like or whatever like you just you just have to accept your fate like that's his whole that's his whole kind of shtick and everything and like the whole film's about like this prophecy and stuff right so you kind of have to accept like the idea of fate going in Uh, but then and also like the reason he has this fate is because of like the beast like tricking his people and everything so his return is him defying the beast right that's him directly fighting back against the idea that this that this beast is actually like all powerful and can just do what it wants or whatever and he's like no so I think there's like there's a there's a version of this that works, but obviously it doesn't really land. I feel like we're ragging on this this movie quite a lot, but it's easy to pick apart and it's easy yeah. to make fun of. But there are like there's there's always a reason with these films why they persist, why you know? they persist, and why, why like a classics, lot of people yeah. have a lot of yeah, why people have a lot of yeah affection for it. And I think with this one, like we've talked about a few of them already, but there's like there's definitely moments and scenes and images and ideas in this movie that work really well a lot of them in total isolation (laughs) from everything else but the whole of it as a whole and they're consistent throughout the movie like it's not just like one thing and then everything else is garbage like there's there's consistent moments in this film that are super memorable
0: yeah but then
3: the whole of it just the whole of it is actually less than the sum of its parts, which I think is to me in a lot of ways, like my, I think when a movie works really well is when all the different parts of the movie come together to make it about something, you know, that can be, it can be quite a simple thing. It can just be telling a good story, but when it has a purpose that is fulfilled in you know in and is and is like well done i think that's when you that's when you get a really great movie i'm sure i'm saying like super basic things about film now but i'm just <laughs> making the point that like this movie is almost the opposite of that
0: it
1: really where is, all, it's, of it's the, all of the all of
3: the individual moments are not in service of anything yeah. else
1: they're not in service mm-hmm. of anything though that's the thing they just kind of exist to to exist to to
3: being the yeah, film. Um, per- perfect <laughs> example of this is the scene with the spider lady. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah, yeah. long,
2: isn't it, as well? And it just kind of stops dead almost. Even though it's an interesting scene in itself. It just feels way too long for the film. Yeah, and it's, it's,
3: really, it's really funny because the guy, Obi-Wan's like, you guys stay here, I'm going to go talk to Spider-Lady. And then he goes to talk to Spider-Lady and it's like, oh, and I could talk to her because I know her name from ages ago. And then the big reveal is like, oh, she was the woman that I talked about who I loved and that was something that I mentioned earlier. So at least that's a callback. But then he gets <laughs> in his chatting to her and she's like, and she's like, you have a son. And he's like, I have a son. And she's like, I killed him. <laughs> it's like, she- you killed him and she was like i'm sure you can't forgive me and he's like i forgive you (laughs) it's just the best i I love it so much she
2: turns to dust or whatever and so that is that like his timer then Oh no, it's not she to, it's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He has to
3: carry done. he has to carry the sand, yeah. Cause it's the sand that's protecting her from the spider, the idea, I think yeah. is the idea. Yeah, so
1: basic basically the idea is that she did something so horrific that she got put in this jail that was protected by the these crystal spiders, and if she ever left they would kill her. But yeah. by, but the sand that's in her little cocoon area is what's protecting her from the spiders. Yeah. I was under the impression she was in charge of the spiders, so it wasn't until
3: later <laughs> I found out that that's wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, it's, like sel- like... it's like a self it's like a self imposed exile thing yeah. where it's like. But yeah, the spiders are really know. cool.
1: Talking about that, really good stop motion animation. I thought yeah. they were really creaky. I thought that set creaky, yeah. creepy. I thought that set was really like well done. It was um, funny enough. It was the first thing they shot, which I can't imagine that was easy at all, um, mm-hmm. and. Um, her, the actress, she was, she was in her, in her thirties, and because they need to make her look old, she had twenty three prosthetic pieces like applied to her. Apparently, it took her six wow. hours to the <laughs> point of like <laughs> I she it. hate she hated it so much that she became basically just like she I don't know grumpy and grumpier as the process went on and just moodier and moodier. And so her, like, she was absolutely a method by the time she had to sit there and say these lines about killing her son and things.
3: <laughs> I bet, yeah. It's it's just God, this that's... film
1: seems to represent to me just so much effort for so little payoff for things like that. Like it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> they introduced one the the I think
2: they introduced the seer only to kill him off yeah. the next scene, and he was like one of the most interesting characters they introduced.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean it's it's another example of exactly the same thing, though, right? Like yeah, they really go to this place and like it's quite interesting. Like there's these these emeralds which were a thing apparently, yeah. but then the animals emeralds turn to rocks and like. There's, there's the big like explosion thing. And that's another moment. Like when the thing explodes and like there's the wind and like the beast yeah. appears, like the, the special effect of the hand is like a little bit dated, but like that moment really lands. I think like as this kind of, this kind of shocking idea of like the sort of range of power of the enemy sure. is like, you know, it, it can kind of reach out and interfere with them at any moment. Like I think all of that works, but you're absolutely right. It's just totally undercut. Immediately, Immediately. <laughs> and it's another—it's another thing where like the kid could have just been the seer, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Like there's no there's no reason why they couldn't have turned up, and it could have just been a little kid, yeah. And ergo could have been like, motherfucker, what are you doing here, little kid? Go and get you. Go and get the. We're here to see the seer or yeah. whatever. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that'd be too much like the Yoda reveal from Empire. and Maybe that's why they didn't do it that way. But yeah, it's it's all of these like little things where it's like they tried to do so much more than they had to, and in trying to do more, like they end up, they end up doing, doing less, less. in and the it, overall. Ergo, such a good example of that. And they clearly are playing this kind of like
1: um, ho- like like connection between him and the kid that they have a close connection and ergo really wants to protect sure. him and and they form a really tight like little pairing or whatever and but they don't do or show enough or kind of yeah use that enough for that to really land at all and especially like at the end when ergo's a tiger and I, I, all i was like hmm. they've got a tiger running around a hall with this kid like, like, <laughs> I, like. In I, all I fairness, hope, like, kid's fine. The,
2: in all fairness, I was watching the making of. They drugged the tiger. So, yeah. Oh, no, that, that happened.
3: <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah.
2: Nothing is given to any of these actors yeah. to to do anything with, so you don't get invested in these characters. Like Robbie Coltrane, originally in the script had no lines, and he had to ask the directors, right. "Like, I'll you right. do this film if I have a line." And like his line is even dubbed. Mm-hmm. And he's dubbed by God? the guy who plays Boone. Yeah, the dubbed Michael Elphick.
1: <laughs> we do. even the main actress is because... dubbed as well. Yeah, like they, they wouldn't even Lis- let her. Lissette Anthony plays like Yeah, Lissette Anthony plays the princess in this, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But basically like the the Colombian president, um, Frank Pierce deciding that an English accent wouldn't sell, so it has to be dubbed by an American. So just got um Lindsay krauss to dub every single line of this film and it's distracting to a point of like like an unwatchability i think when one watch. do you when, know what's when, funny when about was that story it. Like, though it was just so distracting
2: do you know what's funny about that story so the producer who decided to dub her became her father-in-law and i bet that was an awkward conversation <laughs> later on down the road
1: I say I should say about uh, about Lizette Anthony to be serious for two seconds. Um, she was one of the people who spoke out against Harvey Weinstein originally, like oh, wow. very very publicly. She was one of the first actresses actually to go on record about him um, and spoke quite candidly about how he was in the eighties during time period she was shooting this actually, um, and oh. and spoke quite candidly about like his kind of abuse and stuff. And it's all on, you know, it's all on record. She was on Channel 4 News and stuff like that. Like, um, so if you search her name, all that stuff's going to come up about her really now. Uh, but I just, oh, fair, like, fair play. Absolutely. Like the, the videos of her mm-hmm. talking are so strong and impressive, really. And so it was kind of like a weird thing watching this going, oh, that's who it was. Like, that, that's that's who this actress was, you know, um, and, and still is. so I thought that was quite powerful, really.
3: Yeah, I mean, what a what a brave thing to do, like especially yeah. especially at that time, and you know, um, Cause she was really young I when did, she made this yes. film. She was like
2: seventeen, super like young. straight up yeah. school. Really? Yeah. Apparently, the director he said he he wanted a young a young lady to play the part, the very young lady. So I don't know. That screams old Hollywood to me.
3: Okay, here's here's a here's a question since we're talking about creepy misogynists. Uh, <laughs> so eighties films producers. So watching watching this movie, I haven't seen it for a long, long time. But watching this movie, there's a moment like, they're ta- like she's talking to her dad and he's saying, oh, they're our ancient enemy. We can't have this blah, like, yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. And then the, the prince turns up and they have this, the prince and the princess, they have this moment where they look at each other and then she kind of goes behind a pillar and like makes this face, like she's happy to see him. And then it's like, okay, so we're doing like a star crossed lovers thing. And the idea is like everything in the world is trying to keep them apart, but they're just desperate to be together. And that's, that's the whole deal. Like, that's what this prophecy is about. All this kind of stuff. So I was watching it with that in mind. And then mm-hmm. it kind of became apparent to me that they hadn't met. Yeah. Is that right? I think yeah, so, I think so. Yes. I think so. They never yeah. actually met? Yeah. And then, like... And then an hour later, the the prince is like, but do you love me, though? And she's like, of course I love you. And it's like, <laughs> Why? <laughs> What happened? Like, okay, so that she says. She says, like, "Oh, I chose well," and he's like, "So did I." But other than that, like, he just does the creepy coming around the pillar, like he's gonna attack a kind of thing. <laughs> like that's his opening move. Yeah. And then her dad's like. And then know, later on, later on in the films.
1: And that's, that's later it. on
3: in the film when the beast is talking to the princess about how he'll like betray her and stuff, and he's sent this other changeling to like yes. seduce him and whatever. And then the changeling says, "I was meant, I was meant to kill you. I could have done it, but in the hour that I knew you, I loved you." <laughs> and it's like, wow, the only interaction we've seen as the two of you is you go, "Do you want some food?" And he goes. I'm not hungry you know and favorite? she goes oh go on do it for me and he goes all right then
2: my favorite <laughs> thing about it. that is though when they're in that kind she of, loved him they're in the evil layer and the evil version of him is talking to the princess and there's like a video screen of them floating yeah. and he like casts it aside and it's just so badly like animated it just <laughs> oh it's so cringeworthy but like, there's no hero's journey for the man I love it. whatsoever. Absolutely love it. He's like, he's uh, he's just great from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, he's like yeah. nothing. Like at least with Luke there's Skywalker, no love he story starts either. off as this like, yeah. You know, at least Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker, you yeah, see yeah. him become the hero over. I mean, I, I know you got three films to mm-hmm. see him become that hero, but he does yeah, yeah. become a hero at the end of the first film. Like no, movie. in
3: the in the in the first one, he absolutely yeah. does. Like it's it's a classic. Like yes, it's a chosen one narrative, but it's still like a hero's journey. Like he still yeah. goes from like humble beginnings, and he always he feels like he was meant for more. And then it turns out that that's true. And then he has his mentor, which kind of guides him in this. It's like the guy's already a prince. Yeah, He's already he's already about to become king of the world. Yeah, yeah. he's like already at the start of this movie. Fabulous military, <laughs> and movie, he's yeah. already. And he's already he's meant already to be this like amazing warrior. Yep. Yeah, like so he's already... And it's like... It just, it's boring. There's I, guess, I guess it's like... I guess he has... I guess the point is he has everything taken away from him. I guess well, that's the point. Yeah. The and he's crying about, on the stairs for like a minute because his dad died and, well. the, and the girl that he was going to bang isn't there anymore. Like The, the prophecy upset they set about the whole that.
1: film up as well isn't about these two characters. It's about their kid so it's like oh, the yeah, prophecy but- is like a woman with an old yeah. name will have a child that will rule the universe so when they yeah, repeat yeah, that yeah. at the end of the the thing i'm like what warlord is their kid like what story <laughs> is that like like the person oh my god okay. isn't
3: a hero <laughs> that's something. okay what if right what if their kid is the beast is the beast <laughs> played by benedict cumberbatch <laughs> in a flashback of when Doctor Strange is looking at well, the 14 million because the Beast is trying to marry saying. her throughout the whole
1: film so that, that gets a bit that gets more maybe of, it's yeah, maybe it's best, like a back to the, the best f- best a reverse back to
3: the future situation <laughs> we don't know could be what could do you be. think the look and of I, the Beast it like I mean, they were like the uh, look just, of the Beast I think it's I think it's fine I think they do you know. They don't show it. They they
1: just they well, like. I think... It's quite explicitly the guy who designed it. Uh, quite a famous um like special effects supervisor. He was so annoyed about the fact that he spent so long making this ridiculous costume, which took like, <laughs> I think it had like twenty four different controls in it. Like it was an animatronic thing. Oh wow. Um and oh okay. It had one person in it. Uh, so Nick Mailey, the guy who designed this, he was so annoyed that they lit it so badly and didn't show his creation that he never let anything else he designed get. Shown by something he hadn't directed, so he would always oh, okay. take over the direction and production of all his stuff because he was so annoyed with his film that they just, that he spent his masterpiece. They just didn't even like didn't light it properly, so and he didn't get to see it on screen.
2: I didn't know if they filmed it in a way that he wasn't technically there because the because the castle whatever is constantly moving that he's like not in our realm or whatever, so he's constantly kind of I don't know because they film it in such a kind of weird way. It's like just flashes. It's and a very video
1: audience. game showdown at the end. It's a very like I'm far away shooting beams at you and.
2: Well, the video game that Paul says yeah, it's, it's a real boss fight. Pretty much that.
3: I think I find ice. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, you sent like, it. It's it's, ama- it's amazing. It's definitely it's the definitely fight in the worth, video game is better watching. than the fight in
1: the film because you actually have to throw <laughs> the glaive in the video game to keep saving people
3: and to attack the beast but in the film you you know know what's weird I feel like so in the fight right he throws the glaive and it makes the it makes the beast's arm bleed a bit Mm. and then there's like about 30 seconds where they're both just looking at the glaive (laughs) and nothing is happening (laughs) and then the glaive kills the beast maybe under the control of the prince maybe it's just doing its own thing but then I feel like the sequence of him then trying to get the glaive to return to him is then as long as the fight yeah oh yeah it's it is. really long and then he goes like as if as if this glaive is like somehow intrinsic to his person and he's like
1: well, he's like and he's my, totally my lost swag? without
3: it or something I
1: put, got that out of a volcano yeah. no, I
3: want that like I love, I love the reaction shot of the princess watching him trying to get it returned because she hasn't got a clue what's going what's on. Going so he's just standing there with his hand there, and she's looking at him like, "Are you alright? Is is something meant to happen?" And he's there like, "I swear this has never happened before."
2: <laughs> oh, they had to shoot it, all. which reminds me another
3: brilliant moment. They had to shoot it Sorry. all in reverse,
2: and apparently she didn't understand what was uh, going on. So the, probably the look of the amusement is probably real.
3: I did say one of one of my first notes watching this is none of these actors have a clue what's going on. And I think <laughs> I think that holds true. I think that holds true throughout, especially the moment in like the, the wedding scene at the beginning, where it's played like it's a ceremony. True. They're all there. Everyone it's played like it's clear from the kind of the the context that it, the wedding is happening, but then they've obviously created this like original ceremony and it ties into unlocking the fireball skill at the end. <laughs> but he goes, okay, I give fire to, I give fire to water and blah, blah, blah. And then she like scoops the fire out of the thing. But then everyone looks as if this is some bizarre thing that, no that they were weren't expecting before. to yeah. happen. Yeah. Or they're all they all like express mild surprise, and it's like, is this not written down somewhere? Yeah. Are they just like, are they just ad-libbing this? <laughs> like, did did they write their own vows, and they're doing the fire water <laughs> trick as I, like a special? I do like that thing. Effect, like, though. what's going on? That
2: effect was actually in camera. So the when you see the flames on their hands, it's all done by mirrors and that. So it's actually you know like how they do on theater and stuff like that. It was actually uh, okay. it was actually like live on set, and I thought it that sure, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Because there are there's some ropey rotoscoping later on and stuff with like fire in hands and stuff like that. But that one was pretty cool.
3: But I I think it's it's a it's another thing that says so much about this movie, just the the way that the actors react to that moment is like Is this special
1: in the universe or is this like Yeah, is is this this is this a normal is this a normal marriage
3: thing? Like, is it usually, like, metaphorical? But in this case, it actually manifested, and that's why they're surprised. But then there's only, like, mild surprise. It's not like anyone goes, oh, my God, like, she's a witch, yeah. you know? It, like, no one fully reacts to it, but they react as if it's something that is strange. They're definitely getting told mm-hmm. to, to react, really I'm not sure they're getting told how yeah, to Yeah, like, they're making, a, they're making a choice. And surely, these are, like, old actors as well. Like, surely yeah. they've asked, you know what I mean? Surely they've asked, like... So, like, how would I? How would well, I react? Actually,
1: David Yates made them do a, a table read of the entire script before shooting, which never happened on. I films. wish that, that was a I TV. Wish thing. I could
3: have been there. Can you imagine having to, to sit that. on a table and
2: read this? Like, it's <laughs> like, that would have been so bad. It's in the making of. <laughs> it's in the making of. You see them reading it.
3: The fire mares. I love it. Oh god! Is it? Is it the whole thing? I would watch no, the whole table on, read exactly for this.
2: No. But, it, but.
3: It's yeah, throughout
2: a, a lot of the film there's a there's not a great deal of dialogue, there's not a lot of interaction between people talking back and forth. I don't think there isn't. Like it's like Liam no. Neeson probably has about three That's lines. True. Robbie yeah. Coltrane has one line, Todd Todd Carty has like two lines. It's like, you know, they're really
1: underutilised. We have buried the fact that Liam Neeson is in this film. We need to put we need to talk about Liam Neeson is in this film. Like
3: it, I, want, I want to mention Robbie Coltrane first, though, of his, like, he has more than one line. And I know that because he has a line when he dies as well, he does, which is the most, dies. the most unearned character arc <laughs> possibly in cinematic history, <laughs> where he starts off being the guy who's like, are we getting paid for this? Yeah. And then nothing happens. And then <laughs> at the end, he's like... And he's like, the journey was worth it. And it's like, <laughs> why? Because you got to ride on a fire horse. Like what? Like you watched your friends die. Like nothing. What's worth it? He like, just wanted to be outside. Like a seeing of a yeah. He was just he was just sick of. I that thought the weird same thing about the guy who dies in the swamp.
1: Like, and it was meant to be like really dramatic. Yeah. This guy dies, and I was like, I have no idea who you are. I've never seen yeah, your face like, in this <laughs> film before. I've ne- you've it's never like had his a life. First, his
3: first close up <laughs> yeah. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> His first, like, solo shot in well, the whole stuff film. Is Floating it's on the water.
2: My... It's just cork, you know, like corkscrew cork. It's just loads of that shredded up. I can imagine that was just horrible. It looks
1: like that.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, like
2: it that,
1: isn't. Uh, oh, God. Again, Joe, so
2: much effort. That was on the Bond set, and it was, like, um, it was so big they couldn't heat it. So apparently everyone just got really ill from being cold and damp and wet the whole time.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Again, everything in this film is so much effort and and doesn't pay off. Like, I can't imagine how hard it was to make this stuff. Like, like, I know David Yates was annoyed because he thought it was going to be loads of location shooting. And it wasn't. It was just these huge, huge sets that, like, were unmanageable to him. And they couldn't populate it with enough people to fill them. You know, so these empty, huge sets that kind of looked cheap because things look cheap on camera unless you kind of, like, in case you can kind of use the same kind of stuff on them it's um
3: totally there's definitely a a couple of moments though like the shot of them bringing the princess to the castle like pass and they and they kind of make it look as if there's like a big crowd of like slayers and stuff that moment like is is really effective Mm. i think comparatively to like a lot of things because it's it's hard faking big crowd scenes right like that's just a difficult thing to do and like yeah it's dark and they they cheat it and everything but still like I think it just, it ties into one of the first thing I said, like the the moments that are meant to be those kind of scary moments that rely on that visual design, I think more often than not are actually effective. But then there's just what lets it down. And I think it comes back to what we were just saying about like, no one really talks to each other is there's no emotional core to this movie at all. No, 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 there isn't. Like
1: there isn't, there isn't at all. There's no
3: like, there's no like relationship or anything I guess, I guess the main one is, like, you have the prince and the old guy, they which just I met. guess is, yeah, it's, it's like that kind of Arthur and Merlin. Yeah, it is, absolutely. You know, Luke and Obi-Wan kind of thing, but it's just, like, I was watching it and I was just thinking, like, imagine if they didn't get Alec Guinness for Star Wars and I, it was this guy. This guy, yeah, as Obi Wan.
1: Was it Trevor Martin? No, like, it wasn't. No. Uh, because the uh, like Freddy because something.
3: you know like Star Wars when they filmed when they filmed a new hope when they filmed like a new hope that wasn't like, you know, that wasn't like a big deal or anything, was it? Like they could have very easily just not been able to get anyone. Oh yeah, good. totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. And There's instead of Alec Guinness, it could be it could have been this fucking any guy. old English actor. <laughs> yeah. I thought, yeah, it and about, maybe like, he's maybe he's in a bunch of other stuff, and maybe he's done some good things. But like I've in got, this movie, like this performance is just he makes so many choices, like that I against, don't understand why, like nothing against yeah. David ba- Batty, Batley,
1: who like in at all, like, I'm sure, David Batley was a great guy. Uh, but his performance in this as Ergo, the oh. um, magnificent, yeah, 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 was for me. It was like one of those characters in Nightmare that you meet who, who like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, hundred percent,
2: hundred percent, or like made Mariner and Merry Men or something,
3: yeah. Who
2: gives you like a no, challenge No, he has. He has it. his
3: moments though, where he has his moments where he flips from like from that from like you know, those like, uh, historical through ghost show things like tourist traps in London. He like <laughs> flips from that to like the full, like Shakespearean comedy character in the tragedy, like the gatekeeper yes, like Shakespearean the gatekeeper, character. Yeah, and I yeah, think that yeah. like, that's a thing that happens in this movie. Like sometimes they think they're on this, like this, like fun fantasy sci-fi romp. And sometimes they think they're doing this really serious, like dramatic, almost like almost Classical theatre kind yeah. of presentation, yeah. and I don't. I'm, maybe that's well, that's you know, probably I a result of getting a lot of British to do with the directors. Just... So, you know, that's probably where that comes sure, from. Sure, yeah, yeah, I guess. And like, you know, yeah, and I mean, it was probably their background. A lot of them, wasn't it? As opposed to Harrison Ford, who was like, who was like making tables and stuff. But like, mm. you've
2: got Ken Marshall <laughs> as the lead, and he's just like, he's got nothing to him. Like, I know he went to Juilliard or whatever, so he trained, he worked, he like. Learned alongside like Robin Williams and Christopher Reeves and I don't know some other great actors at the time, but like you compare him to like Harrison Ford or even mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, like he's just he's got nothing to him. He's just kind of
0: yeah.
1: The problem is the problem with Ken Marshall and Ken Marshall is great in DS Nine. So any Star Trek act, like fan knows him in DS Nine. <laughs> like, a brilliant Star Trek, um, but yes, <laughs> but. Like Wait, the, who, is, who is he in DS9? He play, in DS9 he plays the guy who becomes the lead of the Marquee. He plays a Star Trek commander, oh, okay. Michael Eddington, sure, and then yeah, like yeah. abandons them for like the Marquee. He's really good in like he's like, like 10 episodes or something like that, nine episodes. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't the think problem with him is that in this film is Liam Neeson, who is one of the more charismatic kind of leads you could <laughs> have got in a film. And like what casting sure, agent yeah. had Liam Neeson on set and went Ken Marshall?
3: Like that, and even in this little, I mean, Liam Liam Neeson's 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 performance. Liam Neeson's performance in this movie is very poor. It's let's not. He's not. He's not not good. Like he's not. He's not like he's not taken Liam Neeson at this point. Is he? He's. It's like it's like this is my third movie, and I'm excited to have a couple of lines, Liam Neeson. You know, like this. That's what we're dealing with. But I think like, like I look at this. One like one of my favorite films ever is The Princess Bride, and I think about. And I think about the lead guy, who you'll tell me his name, the lead guy in The Princess Bride.
2: Carrie Ells. is oh, playing...
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, there's overlap there, right? Because he's meant to be this kind of Errol thinker And obviously, it's much more kind of tongue-in-cheek in The Princess Bride. Yeah. But in that movie, there's emotional resonance. Even though you have this very, like... As you are... Um, um very scene you have these scenes right like even as he's introduced you have these moments where he basically goes and interacts with a character and then he interacts with another character and then he interacts with another character so it's not you could argue that in that movie like yeah it's like episodic at the beginning and then it it does tie together like later on Mm -hmm. obviously but then like but what sells him as a character is the way that he interacts with these other characters that are just so full of personality yeah and have things to say for themselves yeah. and then it, it and it also allows him to demonstrate his kind of mastery and competence and everything you know yeah. And in this one, it's like okay, so he plays opposite this Ergo character, who's a very larger-than-life character, who like comes in as a fireball, turns himself into a goose, and loads what does he do? Bits, loads of things. Like he, like, he just kind of he, he just, just he laughs as if he's trying. <laughs> he just smirks, yeah, it's yeah. like he always laughs as if he's trying to think of something clever to say, but he can't. <laughs> so he just so it. he just That's tries to life. do this aloof laugh, and then. <laughs> But then he doesn't, like, there's no back and forth whatsoever. No and forth. He's just there. He's just there while things are happening. They basically you know? look at the screen and as like, like a character.
1: Look at this character. Look at him.
3: Look and at then him. you have, like, it's but the then white. in The Princess Bride, you have, like, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And he tells him this whole story. And he's this, like, huge character. But then they have this back and forth sword fight in which you then... Learn about both characters through yeah. that action sequence because of the setup of the Inigo Montoya character, and then how he kind of relates to that. So you don't just get told, "Oh yeah, is this great warrior who in the first fight scene just gets murked like immediately, <laughs> and then that he cries kind of on better. the, and then he cry, and then he cries on the stairs, and then he goes on a hike." And he puts his hand in some lava because like he's the chosen one apparently. And only the chosen one can do that. But we've just been told this five minutes ago. Like it's just totally like it's all so unearned, you know. Yeah. And and The Princess Bride is a silly film. Like it, it's not like it's played straight, but it's not. Ser- it doesn't take itself seriously, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's my little rant about. I kind of think Character the whole space
2: him. aspect <laughs> of this film is just totally pointless as well. I just don't think it really. It is pointless. I agree. It just doesn't add to it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I g- guess they've got lasers their, at the end of their spears. spears or something. Yeah, but like,
1: that's just, it. Yeah, know. that's the. And I loved. I have to say, I loved the way, like, when the slayers were killed, they kind of melt into. Oh, worms, that weird thing comes things. out of their skull that and was, kind of
2: slides out.
3: Yeah.
1: I was like that when was that cool. happened right at the beginning I was like that's cool yeah okay that's
3: cool I wonder what this will be yeah it's the creepy scary moments that like really stand out but I think the sci- the sci-fi stuff I think is kind of there because they wanted to have lasers in it yeah. I think yeah. they wanted to distance themselves from pure fantasy because that wasn't popular at the time what was popular was the more kind of like sci-fi stuff like off the back of Star Wars and everything obviously but then so they gave it this like sci-fi fantasy design, which plays into what I guess they thought their strengths were as like the Errol Flynn kind of thing. And then they were, and they wanted what? to do like a kind of swashbuckling thing. But like, of course, Star Wars has like kind of dueling in it, yeah. but it's not. It's certainly not like a swashbuckler film. Like it's obviously borrows a lot more from like kind of samurai stuff I um, think you had and a lot less... In the film pulling it in those different yeah. directions. I think you had
1: people who are pulling it into I want this to be swash- swashbuckling and and kind of then younger voices in it who are pulling it towards like the kind of fantasy design and the like, special effects design and stuff like that. And I think like sure. I mean the, the special effects supervisor did leave the film before production because of like <laughs> because of arguments and they had to bring in like the guy from like Empire. Um but like I think that I think that plays out on the screen that it is a fight between like different people to Concentrate on different elements of this, and it means they don't quite concentrate on any of them as much as they need to. Like they're all yeah. Yeah, Someone, someone's there. Like
3: someone's there. Like I'm not doing it if there's not a giant spider. What's that (laughs) Kevin Smith story about the (laughs) producer that was obsessed with the giant spider? The fight with the spider. Oh yeah. Anyway, I love. I meant to talk about this before when we were talking about Spider Lady. But the magic of cinema, right? Like I am not a filmmaker. I don't know how to do that, right? but i love one thing i did notice during this is you have a you have the guy crawling on that like the webs and stuff so you have established that there's a giant web in this area and then it cuts to a shot of the spider coming out and there's dramatic music and it cuts back to the actor and he looks really scared but there's no there's, well, there's nothing no to denote no. the actual size. Yes, that's true. No, there's there's nothing to denote the, scale, the size yeah, of the yeah. spider. Like nothing tells you nothing tells you this is a giant spider. Yeah. Like there's no there's no point of reference in terms of scale. But you just know that it is because of the way that it's shot, because of the musical cues, like no one's going to watch this and be like, hmm, I wonder how big that spider is. Oh, a tiny spider. You know, or like, I was, I was have, like, why is he so scared of that tiny spider? Yeah, like, no one's thinking that?
2: Just, you just see this tiny little spider on the web <laughs> and it's just like him in full... Yeah, and he just flicks it up. The... <laughs>
3: yeah, it's just like, he flicks it away. <laughs> yeah, that devil that, in, the, in the Spaceballs version of Kroll, like, that would definitely <laughs> happen. Um, but, like... I, and I think that shows that the people who are working on this, like they know what they're doing, right? Like, Oh yeah, definitely. But it's not that like, and I find that so fascinating about this film that like these people were like experienced professional. There was like, there was a good budget you know, they it was a it was a good time for this well, I mean, apart from like obviously the release three weeks after Return of the Jedi, which was, you know, obviously not I have to ideal. We talk about but him. in terms of like the general landscape of what the cinema going public were probably looking for at the time, like it was good timing. So they had all of this stuff going for them. But for some reason, the engine just never quite turned over, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just this constant like it's trying <laughs> you know it's trying and it's doing stuff and it's got like so many so many ideas and so much potential but it just never quite gets there and i just love the kind of the purely intellectual exercise of looking at it and being like okay what were they trying to do and why didn't it work yeah, yeah. like what what were the reasons why like and i think that's there's a huge part of it what you were saying about it just being pulled in so many directions and people obviously like wanting it to be slightly different things to the point where people were quitting, people were going on holiday. It took like way longer than it, than it should have to make like all these things. And it's just, it just makes you wonder like, it
1: makes you wonder It just makes you wonder like what film. could it have been? The faith in this film for yeah. the production budget, like 30 million, I think it was yeah, in like be- 1983 yeah. is insane.
3: Yeah. Bearing in mind, and now I look at it, and going going back to like that was their like comparison
1: with that, and this box office for this was sixteen million, and box office for Princess Bride was thirty million. So there's a nice little (laughs) direct swap of that of those two stats with that.
3: And it's going going back to my one of my first things I said though, and to totally contradict myself, I feel like we're at this point now where I start becoming a hypocrite. I pull back the curtain and reveal (laughs) what I thought all along. I started by saying you've got to think about this film with the background of Return of the Jedi and how it shows that Return of the Jedi was like so far ahead of everything else. But the thing is, at the time, like Return of the Jedi wasn't this huge. I mean, by the third film, obviously it was like a huge deal, but not like how we would look at it now. Star Wars is obviously so influential in cinema, like just so outsized influential in anything like sci-fi, action, family films, you know, coming of age. So all of these things that just like, it created the expectations for a a whole generation of people going to the cinema who are now the people making the films, you know? So when you go back to that 1983 scenario, it's like, yes, a lot of Kroll seems very dated, but that's probably just because those are the elements of these films that Star Wars didn't do. And there, and there are even moments of that. Like there is a swinging from the chandelier moment in a new Hope, Mm -hmm. where Luke grabs princess Leia and they swing across the thing for no reason. Like, why does that happen? You know, it's just there because that's, that was like an expectation of like cinema goers for like, that was an action thing that you can do was like, was swinging across the thing. But like, we let it go because, you know, there's so many other things that it does so much. I mean, like, you know, one of the things I love saying about star Wars is like, is like, there's only ever one person who's made a star Wars movie who actually understands star Wars. And that's Rian Johnson or Ryan Johnson. I always forget how you meant to pronounce it, but, uh,
1: (laughs) But <laughs> well, I agree. But with
3: that. Then, and and I think that's that's a big part of it because you know when they were making that first movie they were just using all the same like cultural touchstones as Kroll was but it's just in crawl, it feels dated because crawl isn't like this. I think one of the differences you have as well with Star Wars was people scrappy, scrappily trying
1: to make a film, and I think sometimes that really helps sure. people to mm-hmm. make a film when you when you're absolutely just trying to push for it. And what you see with crawl yeah. is the exact opposite. This is an absolute monolith of a studio blockbuster with millions of things pounds thrown at it, deciding that this is going to be a hit and this is going to play to these audiences and this is going to do this. And that never plays totally, out very yeah. well for films. I mean, the Marvel things might have twitched that a little bit, but even so, like, yeah. most of the time when you're deciding what your audience will like and deciding you're going to put out these elements of other successful properties, that's not how kind of creatively you make something in that kind of most, like, I don't know, cynical way, really. And it, feels, it does feel like in this they're deciding they can, they can nail this because, look, it's easy to make a Star Wars. It's, it, you just need a princess and a hero and a weapon and and everything else you know i've him.
3: just uh sorry I've, I've just found this post-it and all that's written on it is the warner brothers uh, dc cinematic universe i'm sorry i don't know what i was doing there i'll just i'll just throw it in the bin sorry to sorry to drop that in completely apropos of nothing
1: and that's what weird thing is, the big part of it, like like that I found crazy in the um in the research of this was like the product, the um merchandise for this film was absolutely insane. Like they decided they were going to sell you this film on merchandising. And there was there's, you know, we talked about the Atari game, which I think this is the first film we've covered that has a computer game <laughs> made for it. I don't think they, wow. they another film we did actually did that. Um
3: they had an arcade game when was ET game. ET would have been after this wouldn't it ET, ET was before this 80. the year before. the ET game the ET game is very famous for all the wrong reasons 82 yeah the ET game was is is, is a fam- very famous is very famous in the games industry yeah you have the arcade um, game but you wouldn't out have out covered too. that you wouldn't have covered that we because cover of ET, course yeah. you have seen ET
1: uh there was a board game from the Parker brothers that was was made there was a card game as well from from them for this game like a kind of fantasy card game uh, there was a pinball desi- machine that was designed, but actually it was took so long to build it never actually made it for the film, so it never got designed because it took too long to build. Uh, there was a donut tie-in, um, and you know the the kind of uh, you know the donuts they sell it like Duncan and stuff like that, the Cruller cr- cr- yeah, cr- yeah. that are kind of crinkly donuts. They they called it the the um Crull the Cruller, and it was meant to be the glaive. Donuts so that you can get and buy in places. Which, oh wow! <laughs> that is so like early marketing, like fast food marketing
3: as well. I would I would have bought that hundred percent. And the weirdest thing that they did
1: there was a course of course frisbee. there
3: was a frisbee. Yes, and the weirdest marketing
1: for this film is they basically did a letter writing campaign where couples could write in an essay about the reasons I don't know the reasons they love this film or something, and they could come on set and whilst wearing costumes from the set get married. And this is a <laughs> what? Brilliant. This is a quote. Brilliant! I love it. This is a quote from the Moving Arts Film Journal. Um, on a hot summer day in 1983, a dozen couples gathered on a soundstage in Burbank to take part in a group wedding. One after another, they walked past a pair of futuristic soldiers in fanciful army down a red carpet flanked by strangers in folding chairs and up to an altar made of faux stone. They had penned the winning statements described as the studio's press release statements. Why like, the penned statement was why their fantasy come true would be they would have a crawl wedding in Hollywood. And they took massive photos of them having this crawl wedding. It garnered basically zero press coverage for the film. It cost them tons <laughs> to do. It was incredibly expensive and went nowhere. And as we you know, alluded to, the box office for this film, it came out in uh, July, no, July 29, 1983. It was fourth at the box office, only making five million. It was behind National Lampoon's Vacation. Jaws 3D was in its second week. And Return of the Jedi was third place after ten weeks at the box office. Sorry to correct myself. like So it, after, even after ten weeks, Jedi was still there and ahead of this film's release. It Bombed spectacularly. It did a bomb. It's probably the biggest bomb we've covered, I guessing.
3: But there is a I reason... love that. It's like that's that's like ninety percent of PR stunts. That is like it just Isn't does it? nothing and no it one does... cares. Yeah, <laughs> it does nothing, no one cares, and it costs a lot. <laughs> And I think like, I do. I, I, you know, I say like my wedding day is one of the one of the best days of my life. But honestly, it pairs in comparison to even the thought of getting married uh, <laughs> uh, next to people in costumes from Kroll. <laughs> just it's just tarn- the knowledge. The knowledge that that happened has just tarnished it for me now. So thanks, Liam. No, you could have had. I'm sorry. Like we all plan these yeah, amazing look at, day. look at what you look at what you could have won. <laughs>
1: And I think it's, uh, I, like, why is this film persisted? Is something that I kept on thinking to myself as well. Like, that we all have films from our childhood that we've seen a lot and and kind of sit with you. I mentioned to a few friends that we were covering this film and those who'd seen it were really excited by it. Oh, yeah, Kroll, yeah. And one of them even spoiled for me the death of the Cyclops. They, you know, they were like, <laughs> uh, like, oh, no, it's so heartbreaking, like, when the Cyclops dies. And, and like, all that, like, it's weird how... There is definitely stuff from your childhood will sit with you and will maintain. And I do suggest maybe one of the reasons this, this may have been successful post-cinema is the fact that if this film appears on TV, you can start watching it at any point of this film and it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: if, it, if it's That's on fair. you and catch it, That's you're fair. fine.
2: I have no recollection of this being on TV as a kid. I remember Star Wars, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal... You know, films like that. I have no recollection of this film. Or even Princess Bride I watched a lot as a kid, but this film I have zero like recollection of being on TV or anything. Like it was like a nothing film. It's
1: weird. Film that doesn't exist.
3: It's just it's the it's the moments though, isn't it? Yeah.
2: I think this film is ripe for a remake though. And like I haven't seen it, but take the aesthetic and the kind of the feel of like the um the green knight and apply it to this. And I think you could probably might have something. Or like even like like the oddness of like Mandy, throw that in there, and I think you know up the horror, and I don't know. I think like have a really interesting, cool, quirky sci-fi, medieval kind of film. I think it could be done, but um, yeah, because they always remake good films. I think think that's a a great show.
3: I mean, I think for yeah, Yeah.
1: you would have to do a lot of work to this, but I get it.
3: I'm prepared, Liam. I'm prepared. like so many of the iconic elements of the movie are done for you it's it's just about like strengthening the through line I yeah. think it's a, it's about reinforcing the hero's journey it's the which hero's again journey is just streng- yeah. is just strengthening the through line it's the again the hero's
1: like, journey and the love story has to be
3: the two things you yeah. l-
1: the tackle first Sure, like, both yeah, of those yeah, things yeah. have to work and they, they barely exist in
3: this but then you know it's it's already set up to be like a star-crossed lovers thing they just didn't do it it's set up yeah. to be a hero's journey they, they just, didn't just didn't do, do it, it. Yeah. it's <laughs> set up to be a road movie for a MacGuffin in the yeah. glaive they just didn't just do did it do it, yeah. like it's set up to be a redemption story for the cyclops but they just didn't do it you know it's set up to be a buddy movie between ergo and the kid seer but they just so, would, like you know spoilers been, <laughs> they didn't would do it like been more fun if a lot of the
1: elements they met along the way were puppets like yeah. if, if...
3: <laughs> jim henson's crawl yes yeah. yes! <laughs> yes i'm, if t- ergo I'm was 100% like a giant in
1: vulture magician that'd be great like that would be much more fun (laughs) (laughs) between the three
2: of us i think we can we can nail this i'll bring the visuals you two do the writing we've got it sorted
3: (laughs) we're totally totally like i'm i'm genuinely like i i totally agree like i think you could absolutely remake this and i think you could you could really do like the core ideas of it Justice, like the things that obviously really do resonate with people, yeah. and again, it's one of those things because it's persisted as a cult classic. It's a thing that if you brought it back now, there would be so many people who are like, "Oh shit, yeah, Kroll, I remember? It's so sad when the Cyclops dies." You yeah, know, sure, even though they don't sure. they don't really remember anything yeah. else about it or watching it, they just the remember Glave's those moments. That there, you get that a lot. Exactly, I mean, the yeah. Bloody, just...
1: like Ready Player One. Like it's the the glaive definitely <laughs> yeah. is more like iconic
3: than the actual film. Absolutely, but then that's, I think, in my opinion, that's what makes it perfect for a remake. You're right, yeah. Because it has, it has this iconic moments, so this is iconic imagery, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't really work in the way that you would want it to, in my opinion. Can I be, can I be really boring about my job for a minute? Because you, you said something that really reminded me. Talking about doing the, um, the the scrappy underdog studio making the mega hit off the back of things that they're super passionate about that they want to yes. that they want to bring to the big screen and it turns into this mega hit because of that and importantly alongside being a mega hit it sells a ton of toys yeah. to children and makes like infinity bazillion pounds off that <laughs> the big studio comes in and goes we want to make a bazillion pounds off yeah, toys we want that. Who can we hire to make this fantasy thing? And it's such like, cause I got into the job I do now in video games. I got into, I got into through things about like MMOs and online games and stuff. And it's, it's almost like, and working in that kind of genre quite a lot, the one through line of like so many stories of failure within that. And these are projects that like cost hundreds of millions and will never ever recoup. Yeah. The money, like yeah. the, these kind of failures. And they were all chasing that exact same thing of if we could just make like ten percent of what yeah. they did, it'd be a it'd be a huge success. So then they put people on it who are interested, are competent, but they're not passionate, they're not yeah. trying to create They're not trying to create their magnum opus as like, and so many people do that and fail, right? But then you get like the odd people who just the stars align. Everything is like, everything is in the exact perfect position to make it possible. And then someone just reaches out and grabs it, right? Yeah. And just completely changes like how a medium operates, (laughs) Like, like almost overnight, like in the blink of an eye. And then you get the people who kinda of come on afterwards and go, Oh, if we could just make ten percent of that, and there's so many examples of it. And it's not just Star Wars, right? Like this is such a like well treaded thing that like, you think when Lord of the Rings was a big success, like all the fantasy stuff came yeah, like, out right when Harry yeah. Potter was yeah, a big yeah. success. All the all the wizard stories came out when Marvel was a success. All the yeah, and it's happened before, you know, Western's pirate movies, I don't know, like film wise <laughs> and everything. Probably Probably I mean, it's Why we wanted like, to
1: do this in the 80s, because it is a product of 80s filmmaking, is this. is the fact that Star Wars existed and it changed what people tried to make as films. Like, it changed, it changed everything. And this is the immediate fallout, you know, the last, this five years later, whatever. This is the immediate fallout of them just being like, well, we need to do one of those things. One of those big space things. So, space, space operas. Yeah. Those Star Wars. we would do a Star Wars and then we'll just make loads of money on it. And it's my
3: grandkid, he loves, he loves the Star Wars. Won't Star shut War. up about do the a Star, Star Wars. War.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like Peter Yates is a competent director, he really is. Like there's sure, n- like you yeah. said it in what you were saying, and I mean Peter Yates got nominated for best picture this year and best director this year for the dresser the same year this came out it's not like he he was just like a cheap person they hired he was a competent director but he's not the director to do this thing he's not passionate about it i read the quote at the beginning when he's just like oh it seemed fun he didn't have to read anything i just used my imagination like he wasn't the right person to be doing <laughs> Think this bigger like, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Think different. Yeah, exactly. Like there's different people, and that, I think you see that so often when you get these. Not I don't like to use the word copycat franchises, but what we, you know, what you're saying, the kind of derivativesness, is quite often you get given the directors take over them who aren't quite the right person to be doing it, and they're not given quite enough free reign to actually do anything, and they're also not quite interested enough to actually. Tr- be able to do anything kind of special, and you end up just with the kind of Hollywood machine running. And I think *Crawl* in the end, of the day to me represents the '80s Hollywood machine running, really, and and producing what they think the '80s needs. And it'd be quite again interesting cultural context
3: of the time. Another <laughs> callback to one of the, one of the first things I said: you've got to think about it in terms of like the environment that it was made in what people wanted from it, what people expected from it, all of that stuff is so important to just understanding, you know, the things that this movie got right, the places where it went wrong. And I just, I think that's fascinating
1: yeah I think it's awesome it's what we like to do to be honest (laughs) so yeah yeah.
3: and also also thrown weapons are just OP throughout this whole movie someone someone attached to this movie was just really into the idea of like throwing a spear throwing weapons (laughs) yeah yeah throwing a spear (laughs) throwing a glaive throwing (laughs) axes at one point that then like hit each other in midair yeah
1: that was weird which is an
3: incredible which is an incredible display of martial prowess that is never repeated by that group
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> axes land in between the puppy or something or the pig. He turns into a pig, doesn't he? he- no. Well, ergo. they
3: they go over ergo, and then he turns himself in, into a pig. I feel like I feel like the idea for that was they throw the axes at him, and then he turns himself into a pig, to and that shrinks think. him down, which is why the axes miss him. I yeah. think that was probably the original idea. Well, no, he, but then he, the way it's filmed, they hit above him, and then he turns well, into no, a pig. because it's a lot easier them to all into film
2: pigs, doesn't he? Obviously he doesn't turn them into
3: Oh uh, of course yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz the joke sure, of the end yeah. is he's, I mean, always, you think, like, he's always He's always trying to turn people into animals I'll but he's that.
1: got the spell backwards yeah. and we yeah. have and we never get him to learn that. So I don't know, why but then, at the end
3: it turned no, but then at the end it turns out that that is that shouldn't have been what he was doing all the time. He was trying to turn other people into things because he was a coward and he didn't want to get involved, but then at the end, he was like, I can turn myself into shit i'm going to turn myself into a drug oh, tiger <laughs> and go and roam around these corridors with these people wearing suits that they can't see out of, and a small child, obviously
1: when the tiger basically like just
3: kind of leisurely walking around the corridor
1: <laughs> kind of yawning. So you know what? The, and more, the
3: more I talk about this, the more I talk about this, this is actually an area where I think we're doing a disservice to the film by saying the lack of through line, the lack of character development. I think actually Ergo does have a character arc. Fair it enough.
0: Does. Yeah. It actually, unlike, unlike anyone, it's-
3: unlike anyone else in the film, like, you know, he's obviously like a comic relief character but he does go from being, you know, it's the clue is in the name almost. He goes from being very like egocentric and, you know, self-centered and, and yeah. cowardly, self self-serving. Even at the very beginning, he doesn't mean to go along yeah, with he them. He tries
2: to run away. It's just because
3: he's scared he's scared of the Cyclops in the in the trees, so he just goes the direction that they're going, you know? But then anyway, and then he does the puppy thing for the kid, and that's nice, and then he realizes that actually like at the end he's like he realizes that okay, he can turn himself. In. You know what I mean? Like this—that's another there. thing. There's like it's, it's there, there. It exists. It it's exists, there, and in the How remake,
1: it really show on screen. It's when did the yeah, tiger get yeah, hurt? Yeah.
3: By the way, as well. I remember it like, gets it's... shot in the it gets shot in the paw, but I think there's just no impact effect. I love it when I love it
2: when the hero guy, Mister Kroll, is running around, and. <laughs> he sees ergo as that's pretty scroll to you, peasant. But you yeah, don't see him Kroll. see it. It's completely off screen. It's, it's so just. Do you know? it's yeah. Like he's running around trying to escape, and then it and then when the film ends, it's just it ends on a freeze mm. frame, fucking freeze frame. As soon as they're just walking off into the distance, it yeah. just ends. <laughs> it's like that's it. Okay. All right. That's it.
1: That. They do a classic, they have a laugh. They laugh about, yeah. only the
3: king could release my shackles. <laughs> and then it kind of ends. Yeah, yeah. Like gives it, it like basically gives him some kind of position. It's like, for all we know, you're the only people in the world. I think they are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they never mention the city the of whatever Martial they have to go nothing. to. They never mention anywhere like that, like all
3: the people. They never yeah. mention any kind of wider thing than you see. Exactly. Seer guy's dead, spider lady's yeah. dead. Everyone in the castle's dead.
1: Yeah, I think the it's prison's just like, empty because all it's the prisoners that tiny planet From um,
3: Dragon Ball Z, basically. That they... <laughs> it's just got a tiny castle on him. that's it. Yeah, About like a thousand leagues is like a hundred meters or something. Fire <laughs> <Exactly>. mares. <laughs> Fire mares. They just look quick, but it's actually they don't travel very far at all. <laughs> all I can think about now is like how you could totally remake this movie and make it Actually good. But no one will ever do that because if it was remade now, it'd just be again remade as a cynical cash grab as cheaply as possible. You know.
2: I wouldn't even say as cheaply as possible. They would just throw way too much money at it, but no not enough thought.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it'd still just be like totally lacking in any kind of like emotional like core or like real real kind of resonance in it.
1: I'll be like Todd Phillips will take it over and make it some dark and creepy thing about society.
3: Be like the dark gritty <laughs> reboot. That shines it's a about mirror up society, to us. man. Yeah, it's like re- reset in the modern day. It's gritty, gritty crawl, it's not your daddy's crawl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the
3: gritty reboot of crawl. Definitely sign me up. So,
1: have we got any final thoughts, then, mate? Like,
3: I think I think the fact that like my my brain is just going so much to like if you remade this movie like how would you how would you draw out the aspects of this movie that are good and make it into one sort of satisfying thing and I think that says so much about my feelings of the movie that I feel like it was so it was close like it could have been it could have been something amazing and i think that's why it still just like resonates with people especially people who like saw it as a kid yeah. and kind of half remember it because you remember those you remember those moments that really worked and it it just it just needed someone to love it you know yeah sure sure
1: i think that's right it could it could have been a willow which is a film i don't particularly like but like it's definitely more successful than what it does
2: which willow is more successful
1: I think Willow's more successful in this, yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. But like I I, I mean for me this I, this should be a film that I should love because it's it combines so many elements that I adore. Like it's got stop motion, and it, it's got prosthetics, it's kind of it's got, you know, great production design, you know, the cinematography, as I said, was by Peter I can't pronounce his name, Sus Sus-Jekies? I don't know. He did uh, Empire Strikes Back. You know, you've you've got a great uh, James Horner score, which he actually used again in like Rocketeer in Aliens if you watch those films you can actually like hear those in there again yeah we didn't um, mention
1: James Horner yeah Titanic and
2: but like like Paul said it's just it's lacking in any characterization and like just like any kind of it's just it's the characters are very uninteresting apart from Ergo they're just pretty boring and just I don't know you just don't really give a shit when they die you're like oh okay he's dead now alright great next it's just I don't know, it just Yeah. It promised so much and delivered very little. That's that's all I can say, really.
1: For me it's just one it's just like a it feels like a film that they didn't appreciate how hard it is to do one of these films. Yeah. Like it's it felt like, you know, it's easy but you just plug and play all this stuff in. And I think the very fact they dubbed the actress with some with an American actress. Just to be like, well, you know, it would sell better in America if she's American. Is is just speaks to what they were thinking about most of the time when making the film, really. And I think the fact that that was even they decision... That's
2: why they wouldn't cast Liam Neeson as the lead, because they probably wanted an American to lead the film, even yeah. though everybody surrounding him is <laughs> British. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they're shooting it in London, they're shooting it in Pinewood, they're shooting it in Italy, yeah. Like, um, that's what they're going for. And everyone else in the film is just these English stage and TV actors. Who are quite recognizable, to be honest. But um yeah, it's it's a weird one. Um but it's is it fun to watch? Did I have a good time? I think it's okay. Like it's yeah. a little long. There's definitely a bit in my notes when I was like, it's been half an hour and I don't think anything's happened, is what I wrote down in my notes. There's was was definitely a bit like and still climbing I was that mountain. Like, still climbing that mountain. We're just chatting here, are we? And the amount they cut when they cut to um lissa in the beasts i found it really funny because like it was they gave you like a minute and a half of footage of her like they'd they'd show like this half an hour footage of them climbing through like a valley and then it would cut to her in the beasts like mountain for like about a minute and a half of her and him just going i want you and and then it'll quickly cut away again and it just made me think of how how little footage they had to balance the two stories they just didn't have anything to kind of spread around the film they must have just shot a bunch of her in that that fortress and that was it like just drop a minute now and again to remind people that she's actually captured but don't actually give her anything to do and it that annoyed me that got on my nerves when i realized that was happening throughout the film
3: but it's filmmaking it, gotta remind funny. the audience what's at stake, what's there's, at stake? A <laughs> there's a woman there's a woman in needs peril. protecting. oh she's being shown a crown and a sparkly dress and a giant rose
1: and <laughs> she lives in an eyeball. That's, that was a good part of it. Yeah. Oh yeah,
3: Weird.
1: It's yeah, it's fun. I can understand why people enjoy it. I guess is my point. I can understand why people have a fun. But the story. thing
3: is, you could you could have just watched the Princess Bride, or you could yeah. have watched Flash Gordon, or even Willow. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Any like of there's so there's there's so many things that like kind the, of hit similar notes that just master. have so much more heart. Beastmaster, yeah. Beastmaster, yeah, Beastmaster, that's that's an example for sure. But Conan yeah. There's, and so, there's just so many Ed of Sonya, these things. I mean, for right God's right sake, in in this day and age, we even have the bloody Lord of the Rings movies. Like, if you want some fantasy, I mean, my God, like I saw someone someone made one of their memes that they have now about it. Apparently, it's like twenty years old or something. Jeez. and they did like they did the thing of like Gandalf saying to um, Bilbo, "You haven't aged a day," and it's true, right? Like you watch. <laughs> you know you you watch like that lord of the rings movie now and it is just like it has that real timeless thing yeah. i mean even the original star wars like the, the original star wars you watch that and it just has this even though there's like elements of it where you can tell it's from the time that it's yeah, from like sure. it's still like it just yeah. has such a timeless did kind you, of vibe to it whereas and it, yeah
2: did you get that lord of the rings feel though from that shot though when they're running across that bridge that collapses at the end
1: very baworky was totally. it totally yeah yeah.
3: And the, there's the, the they use the I think it's the Wilhelm Wilhelm scream yeah. and that someone gets shot off the bridge. I have no idea who like it's just one of the bandits who we have <laughs> one of who just, just exists. Like it's so far <laughs> away like you can't tell who it is, but yeah, it's the Wilhelm scream off the bridge. Yeah, sure. And I mean, I'm sure that like it's fantasy, isn't it? Like of course they would have been talking about Tolkien, they would have been talking about action set pieces and they would have been drawing inspiration from a ton of different places like I have a no, question it's, it's all about like it's all about invading the castle and having to like escape the peril and all that like so much of that final sequence is just the running through the castle like, yeah, getting, yeah through the different, <laughs> different tunnels different scenarios exactly yeah. I
1: have a, I have a cr- quick question to maybe wrap us up what would the sequel to this have been if it had been successful <sighs> Ooh. Cuz obviously you have this prophecy well, of their son. That seems clear. Yeah. But you can't make the sequel to be like 20 years time, here's the son grown up.
3: Why not? It. That's what they should have done with the Incredibles too, and I'll fucking stand by that <laughs> hot take. My entire life, I will never I will never <laughs> let go of that idea cuz it would have been a million times better. Anyway, why why can't they just why can't they fast forward for the sequel? Like? Hey, uh, if well, you go I, on it, YouTube, I, well, I
2: there's wouldn't... a crow 2 lost in Sibia teaser trailer, concept trailer. So
3: check that out. Amazing. Well, they see, well, they've they've killed the beast, but who knows what other threats lurk. are out there. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, uh, I guess it's it has to be linked to the prophecy, right? Like, it has to be linked to the prophecy, this idea of them getting together and having this son that's going to rule the galaxy. Um... So I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe there's just people who just live on another planet, and they're just like, we don't want your son to rule us. So it also becomes they become like-
2: villains. I like it.
3: It becomes like an invasion thing, so instead of them having to go to the place, they're like having to defend or like run away or something, and then you then you could introduce like an element of like rising threat, for example, <laughs> as opposed to in this movie where the threat is like, the threat peaks at five minutes and then just stays the same, like, in terms of the overall plot, like it has its little like, oh, Spider Lady, that guy's in trouble, oh, this is, you know what I mean? But yeah, a, a sense of rising a sense of rising threat, that's what should be in the sequel. If
2: you type in <laughs> Krull 2 in Google, it comes up with like a question, is there a sequel to Krull? And it, the answer is Krull was an mm, interesting movie, but didn't really merit a sequel. One major problem that it had, both as a story in its own right and as a setup to any kind of franchise, is that it did an atrocious job at world building. We get almost no sense of this in any kind of a populated world. So there you go.
3: Hey, no, that's all the things we were saying. I mean, that's fair. I usually, like, whenever I read anything that includes some kind of hmm or hmm or <laughs> um in the first sentence, I just I just stop reading, like, immediately. And I feel like I've never missed out on anything worthwhile. <laughs> that's just a tip for anyone who's listening. <laughs>
2: Apparently Joe and Anthony Russo have talked about wanting to do a remake of Krull.
3: <laughs> that's a good note to finish on. Do you know what? I'm I'm sure it'll happen. It'll sure it definitely happen. Yeah. Like I mean, if you look at that the absolute barrel scraping that's happening at the moment with what films are coming out, a fucking Cruella Deville origin story. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ! Like of all of all the films that don't of all the films that don't have to exist. Like my god. I think Cherry anyway. was such a success that we ne- don't stop talking about
1: Cherry and being the great, the great film Cherry by the Russo brothers. You know, the people who made the most successful film of all
3: time.
1: <laughs> yeah, great film Cherry. They just they just released and we never
3: stopped talking about.
1: Now that was such a success. I, have, I, have, I, have, have, to do
3: I have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> do you know what the the most successful films at the moment are? Those like. Totally buy the numbers, like action movies that Netflix fucking churn out. Like they get one famous person, whether it's like Michael B. Jordan, Chris Hemsworth, a like, kid, Charlize Theron, and then they just make like a super derivative, like mid budget action movie that just goes straight to Netflix. That's what people want. Fill up the fucking trough. Don't try. <laughs> don't like, don't, don't get creative or anything. Like just more of the same. Pilot content for the content god, blood for the blood throne, you know, all that
1: shit i'm seeing on my notes here that that default film number 10 got two billion watches on netflix last week by their numbers like it's the most successful thing ever <laughs> by
3: then by their numbers to qualify someone must have watched the first four seconds of the film to cry, to qualify as a viewer
1: anyway i think we should wrap it <sighs> there i think that's a that's a good point
3: <laughs> on, on, that on that bombshell oh god that's not a top gear reference by the way that's just uh that's just a cliche I'm dropping I It's a I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone to be under the impression that I think Top Gear is good <laughs> in any way.
1: Well, thanks again for joining us, Paul. It's always a delight. And thank always you for working your way through crawl with us.
3: Thanks for having me. It's a lovely excuse to hang out. And it's also in an environment where it's expected of me to just like go off on one for a bit, <laughs> which is ideal. So thanks.
2: Next time I want you to, co- I want to hear your your cast for the Cruel the remake, that's what I want to hear.
3: Oh shit! Yeah, deal.
2: Awesome. So uh, what are we talking about next week then, Liam? Uh, next
1: week we're diving well into rock musicals, uh, which is apparently a thing in, for a single year in the 80s. Um, and we're looking at Streets of
2: Fire. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We've got two very special guests joining us from that. We've got... a. Uh, uh, Sean and Frank from the Film Junk podcast. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. They're, uh, it's one of the world's – well, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's longest-running film podcast. So that's cool. Well, thanks very much for listening, and please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on, be that Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track. That's with a YR, not your And remember, if the pitch is bad, don't forget to adjust your tracking.